and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. I'm Kyla. I'm Carl. And we're back. We're is, back. This a two, is this a two-week one? Did we do yeah, it? Yeah, I think we actually we did, did it on time. For nice. once. Yeah, we're pretty bad at schedules. It's it's you know what? We do this for fun. Gosh darn it. So so we are not beholden to anybody yep. but ourselves. That said, uh, that said, if any like um, you know uh, underwear or food box companies want to sponsor us, we will be beholden to you. Like we, that's fine. We'll do that. But until then, <laughs> yeah. But only underwear and food box. Yep. Nothing yes. else. I think, like, I think you don't even have to do anything but sign up to get, like, an audible, uh, Their ship. deal. Is that right? I don't know. I was looking into it at one point, and before I decided, eh, our expenses really aren't that high. You should just have a Patreon. So. Ask people to kick in a couple bucks for our hosting costs, and... Yeah. People can yeah, vote on could do that. People could vote on the games we play, and then we would have, uh, it would be easier for us to pick things. Yeah, that's true. Although we've had a pretty, a pretty easy time, like, this, these past couple episodes, because we, we had just, like, a bunch of games all at once that we all wanted to play, and so we've been working through those. Um, yeah, a Patreon would be good, but some, someone would have to maintain it. Yeah. Doing so work? That's uh, the stuff you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. Presumably. I don't know. I've never had a Patreon before. I assume that it's like most social media accounts. You have to maintain it if you're responsible. Um, and I would feel I would feel compelled to be responsible about something if there were people's money involved. But yeah. uh, I don't know. This is a this is a hobby podcast. You get what you get. I think I do have a Patreon. Um, yeah, I, I have an account. I made an account a long time ago before they changed like before they changed their um, pricing models because I wanted to get grandfathered into like before they made it worse. I think. Yeah. Um, and I have never used it, which means I don't know if I actually did get grandfathered in because I wasn't. Like you didn't live. have years established, yeah. Yeah. No. <clears throat> but yeah. It, who knows? Seems, it seems unlikely. If anybody really wants us to have a Patreon so that you can donate money to us, let us know on like Twitter or on our Discord or something. But we assume that uh, you know, you enjoy this free and rather haphazard listening. Um Yeah. But we'll keep going with this until we hear otherwise. Yeah, I feel like if there's money involved, then we have to do things a little more professionally. I don't know if that's actually yeah. the case, but that's like the way it feels it in my heart. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I, gosh, I mean, we've we've only been doing this, I guess, almost six years at this point, and I just I don't know if I'm ready to take that next step. That's a lot of commitment for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. If we had a Patreon, yeah. I would like I'd have to probably buy a better quality microphone. Um and we'd have to 
maybe spend time uh, editing this to like i don't know you edited a little bit but yeah i do basically the bare minimum of editing um maybe like a slightly more than the bare minimum of editing um and sometimes i get carried away and do like even more when i'm like really when i really get on a roll but usually i don't do that much um and it's it's usually fine i think so you know whatever add a ton of reverb to it (laughs) yeah (laughs) carl just on carl just on carl so carl always sounds like he's you know in the depth of a cave somewhere yeah, Carl is coming to us live from the local opera house, and he is on stage <laughs> recording the podcast. That's how much we care about sound quality. Actually, that is that is um, one of the Patreon tiers, is with enough money per episode, we will rent out the local opera house and send Carl there to record. So I will do my best. Nice. Uh, anybody have anything fun over the past few weeks? I have been playing Subnautica Below Zero. The new one, yeah, how is it? Yeah. So I've been waiting so long to like finally get it released because it's been in early access for more than two years. And uh, I think it's really good. But like, it is playing Subnautica again. I was gonna say, is it just it is like more of the same, or is it does it have anything like new and exciting to offer? It's like it's like playing Subnautica again on a new map with some slight changes. Is the UX better? Because my main uh, my main gripe with the first Subnautica was that like they ha- they were very bad about like the UI in terms of. Like when stu- when right clicking did certain things versus when left clicking did certain things, and I was always afraid I was gonna drop something. Um, so hmm, I didn't have an issue with that, but no, <laughs> it's it's the same game. Okay, all right. Well, I guess we'll see. But you have a uke box. Ooh, well, you know that's good. And there's, I just found this really cool like. Leviathan, which is a giant yellow fish that you can swim into, and there's like plants inside it. Man, that does sound awesome. I'm gonna put it on my wish list. But last time I had, uh, I had Subnautica on my wish list, the first one, for a long, long time, and it never went on sale. Like that, it was full price. Like when, if even when it ever went on sale, it was like five dollars off, and I'm like, I just want to buy it cheaper. I know Subnautica was free for, like, ever, if you picked it up on Epic at some point. Oh, interesting. That might have been before I was, like, checking Epic regularly. Um, but, you know, I did I did get it and play it eventually. I did feel it was... Uh, is it still just, like, needlessly scary for no reason? I mean, if you play the first one, it's not going to be as scary. Okay, that's good, because I was, I was too scared uh, by the first one. I, by the end of the, the first one, I had hit a weird zen state where I, like, I'd apparently hit the ceiling on my fear level and, like, broke through into this zone of strange calm. Um, but yeah. before that, it was, like, I was very bad at ever venturing anywhere. 
I mean, yeah, there there are definitely zones that I would avoid. I would say it is as scary, but if you like gotten used to Subnautica, it's not going to be as scary. So the the Leviathans still have the same AI, then? Um, I don't know. I think it's better. I don't actually know. That was like that was the main thing I discovered in the first one. Was like you can uh, you can sort of cheese the leviathans by staying close to like edges of things because they're very bad at coming at you when you're close to geometry yeah so like except for the small fish the all the other fish are in like new species I guess it depends. I guess it, it all depends on like whether they use the same like pathing algorithms. Um, and if they do, then I'm then I'll be good. Uh, if they don't, I might have trouble. We'll see. I I streamed Subnautica last time I did it, so maybe I'll maybe I'll do that as a stream again. We'll see. Uh, it ends up being like ninety percent me doing base building anyway, because that was my favorite part of Subnautica. Yeah, there's a there's a lot more base building stuff. Ooh. Exciting. Yeah, and I, I, I am excited about those penguins for I sure. I was going to say, I hear there are penguins. So. I think you can train. maybe buy a rope, or not buy, but build a robot penguin. Ooh. Even better. Yeah, that's that's one that's on my list, and I'll I'll buy it before too long, I'm sure. But right now, I think I've got too many other games to play. <sighs> I went ahead and I started Yakuza Six. <laughs> you sound so disappointed. Well, <laughs> Yakuza Six is um pretty widely regarded as like the worst in the franchise, and boy howdy, do I see it. Yeah. Even even the other games, like a lot of people didn't like five and a lot of people didn't like three. Um, those people are wrong. Three is great. And they didn't like three. I think the main criticism was because you spend half of the game just running an orphanage, and that's great. Screw you, buddy. Um and I can see why people didn't like five. Five was kind of bloated. But um man, I I agree. I, I agree with the haters on six. It's it's pretty dumb. It's it's a lot of like stuff just happens, and it doesn't really feel like there's any reason for it. But everybody, you know, all of the characters are very enthusiastically going along with. Well, this is the new thing that's happening, so we're gonna go do it. So yeah. Did we talk last time about the that one article where like actual Yakuza played one of the Yakuza games and commented on its realism? I think we talked about it at one point. I mean, God knows I've been playing these games for like a couple years at this point, just <laughs> working my way through all of them. Um, but yeah, I read that article, and that article was about, well, they had played Yakuza 3, but I mean, nothing yeah, that they I was, really... I was going to say the orphanage comment reminded me. There's like a little argument that they have at one point where they're like, they're talking about the orphanage, and they're like, uh, you know, one of them's saying that... Uh, you know, oh, that's unrealistic. And the other was like, no, I like, I actually know someone who, you know, like, yeah. ran ran an orphanage. He's like, yeah, but it's for money laundering. He's like, yeah, it's for money laundering, but he still had to run it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I remember that part. That part was like one of the best parts. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so may, that's, that's my Yakuza update. May you get know. through that one quickly, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of just powering through it at this point, so. And then, uh, and then I don't know. I guess I'll say I'll I guess I'll buy seven and play seven. I think I'll wait until we have a PS5. I know I know my boyfriend is really um, interested in buying a PS5 now at this point, so I think we're just gonna wait until we have one of those. No PS5s because assholes are using all the graphics cards for crypto mining. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> issue I, right now. Hmm? I think it's a COVID issue. Yes and no. There's a like there's been a big surge in crypto mining. Um, that's been... yeah, but like the issue with kind of hit the graphic card before, and there's also other products that's affected the same as graphic cards. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's like webcams and things like that. But uh, I don't know. Um, I I usually end up getting uh, new consoles like several years late anyway. So I'm not like holding my breath for availability. Yeah, I usually I I I got my PS4 like in 2017 and granted I got I got the pro model because I, there was a pretty good deal on a bundle. But yeah, I didn't have a PS4 until like 3 years ago. Um and Same. and now now there is new ones. And I yeah. I would wait on the new ones even, but Ev Ev wants one, so and he's paying for it, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of games for the PS5 that you can't just get on PS4, so yeah, yeah. and that's the thing is, is yeah, uh, I mean, Ev is really big into like everything must run at 60 FPS all the time otherwise it's unplayable he's like he's one of those guys kind of which i always roll my eyes at but um so there's a lot of games that we have on the ps4 and he's like no i'm gonna i'm gonna wait until we have a ps5 because that's getting patched to like full 4k 60 on the ps5 i'm like okay dude whatever <laughs> but <laughs> like whatever i i reap the benefits from it as well so <laughs> i'm not gonna complain but i do roll my eyes a little bit at it with admitting yes, that can. my reaction time is not better than a 30th of a second so oh yeah absolutely absolutely not so so i do not care all right should we talk about the game i feel like we're gonna have a lot to say about this game so we should maybe yeah. get to yeah we can get to it i don't know who's gonna do the intro who's gonna do the intro i can do the intro yeah cool. we played nice. genesis nor by Feral Cat, then. And, yes. boy, I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> yeah! I sort of do, but I sort of don't. Yeah. Kelso, why don't you start? You have a lot of feelings about this. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like we all have a lot of feelings about this, but yeah. So, Genesis Noir is a game... I mean, it's basically an allegory, and it, like it's an allegory, and it's a part of a creation myth, I guess. Um, it not, takes place. It's not an allegory. Mm -hmm. It's two unrelated stories that they try yeah. to pretend is an allegory. But go on. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, it, it takes place in the space of time 
or not time before the big bang um which apparently is like a, a kind of cool like 1930s 40s noir world um and you play a character called no man because that's a fun little bit of wordplay there or maybe the time traveler as he's sometimes known yeah i think i think officially he's called no man which makes sense because time waits for no man but yes, um of course. but he is kind of caught in a love triangle with a jazz singer called miss mass and uh her sort of jilted ex ex bow um golden boy who played saxophone in her band and uh no man walks in on uh, an unfortunate scene where golden boy is uh shooting miss mass because i guess he found out that she was cheating on him it's unclear whether or not they were already broken up at the time yeah but um she she definitely did sleep with no man and i think she was definitely cheating on her boyfriend i mean yeah. um, i think it's clear that they're broken up in the end i think I went back and forth on like what the details of that were supposed to be a bunch. There's a lot of things about this game that are very unclear. Yeah. Um so so he he walks in and uh Golden Boy is shooting Miss Mass and he uh drinks liquor to stop time, I guess. <laughs> and the the act of you know being shot is referred to in the game as the big bang so that's like sort of the big metaphor is that this act of violence in you know pre-creation is what causes all of the universe and everything to exist so no man's whole goal is to basically undo it which means undoing all of creation um so that he can like save the woman he loves. I don't think he actually loves her. By a the way, a night stand with, <laughs> or something. Yeah, I don't. I think he loves the idea of her for sure. Yeah, um, but that's that's like completely not even anything that matters within the scope of this game. Um, and we can go into like specifics of you know each yeah. uh, segment of the game, but. Basically, my whole thing with this is I don't have a problem with this game in concept. It's, it's, you I know, love it's a cool game in concept. I love this game on paper. <laughs> it's such a cool idea. I also don't really have a problem with it in execution. Um, art, art direction is pretty much impeccable. Sound design is also pretty much impeccable. And a lot of the like gameplay air quotes, I'm, I'm saying gameplay in air quotes because it's sort of similar to like an Amanita game where a lot of it is just interacting with things that you can interact with until you can proceed. And that's fine. Not as well done as Amanita, but it's a perfectly fine way of going about it. My problem with this game is that somebody should have fucking edited it because so many yeah. of those gameplay segments go on for way too long. And the ending of the game, the entire like ending sequence is about an hour too long. Yeah, and the story in that segment just spins off the rails, and it's just an exercise in like tedium. And oh god, are you telling me there's fucking more that I have to do? Yeah, um, going into twelve different me. memories or yeah, 
Yeah, 12 different game... memories that you don't care about and have already seen, basically. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. like the biggest, the biggest thing. But like this game charmed me so thoroughly and so immediately. Like the, the first thing you see in the game is this little diner, this Nighthawk style diner called the Hopper. Just what? Perfect. That is the perfect, beautiful kind of reference that I want to see in my video games. References to Edward Hopper's famous painting, The Nighthawks. Um, but I, I don't think I've played a game in recent memory that that squandered the goodwill that it built so thoroughly by the end. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So I, I basically agree with you, although I had a problem a lot earlier than the end sequence with it. In that, like, I that's feel... So yeah. yeah, I feel like the game is... Like, I I love it when games are, like, avant-garde and artsy and weird. And I love it when games are, like, surrealist and have, like, a very, like, specific tone they're going for. So I should utterly love this game. But I just feel like it amounts to nothing. Like, it has a bunch of really cool, interesting ideas. And it just does not come together into a cohesive whole. It's, yeah. like, not saying anything. Like, Mike and I are, are working on giving a talk about, like, the importance of having themes in your game and, like, how to coherently communicate a theme with your game. And talk about a game that does not coherently communicate a theme. It barely yeah. coherently communicates the plot. Like, sometimes yeah. it even doesn't do that. Yeah, I... I... Big agree. And yeah, for, for the record, I don't just have problems with the ending. The ending, I think, is just like the biggest personification of the issues, yeah. but the, the, the biggest example of like where, you know, what what the problems with this game are. Um, and yeah, the other the other thing is like, like I mentioned it, the interactions feel in a lot of ways like an Amanita game, like a like a Samarost or a Botanicula. But man, it really fails to do the one thing that Amanita does, which makes that kind of gameplay compelling, which is, um, you know, the interactions generally result in some amount of our, our old friends' delight and surprise. Yeah. Um, and this just does none of that. It just feels like, okay, I'm just clicking on stuff and moving stuff around to advance advance the scene. You a task like, I'm to not do, getting basically. any. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting any reward beyond I'm... 30 seconds closer to not having to play this game anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't feel, I think, as strongly as you guys. Mm -hmm. I do think, like, there's a... It feels like two different games, where, yeah. you, like, you start off as this noir game, and then you kind of go into a long bit of just going through, like, evolutionary set pieces, and then you kind of go back a little bit into the noir, but the like... two stories don't work as a metaphor. Like, it pretends to be like, oh, it's a metaphor for the Big Bang. It's like, no, it's not. It's a, like, trite noir pieces scattered amidst a not very well-explained science narrative. <laughs> like... Mm, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm I, I don't think it's it. that bad, but, like... <laughs> I also think, like, it's kind of fine. Because, like, the game... It's... It's selling its visuals. It's selling its audio. And I think that's fine for a game to do. And I think 
Genesis Noir does that really well. I mean, it certainly it certainly has a tone and an aesthetic, and it like it's it's full of style. It's very stylish, for sure. Um, it's it's probably it's I think it's definitely like a style over substance issue, but it's it's yes. it's got it's oozing style for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, and that's that, that's another thing. I just I feel like this this game, you know, despite sort of the the messy concept and um and themes etc it's not unsalvageable it's not unsalvageable at all i don't think um you know it's just it's just really bloated in a lot of ways that it doesn't need to be it's yeah it doesn't certainly doesn't have to be the like you know six hours or whatever it is it could be two mm-hmm. um yeah. i i I wonder how much of the problem, though, was uh, exacerbated for me because I played it on the Switch. Um, I also played it on the Switch. Yeah, I think the Switch let's, is a much more... That. Yeah, so I tried to play it on PC. I bought it on PC, and the first time they go into the like, weird fractal memory space, the frame rate crashed so hard on my computer that it was unplayable. And uh, unfortunately, you have to get past that first time to get to, like, a major save point. And so after, like, replaying that segment, you know, four times or whatever, hoping to not crash the frame rate with different settings, I actually returned it on Steam and bought it on Switch instead. And the controls are not made for Switch. It feels real shitty to play on Switch. Yeah. Did you play it... um... Did you play it like docked or did you play it handheld? Because I played I, it all docked. I I tried to see if I could do it handheld with the touch screen because I thought, well, like, well, if it uses the touch screen, at least that'll be salvageable. But as far as I could tell, it didn't use the touch screen. So okay, that's it what was I was just, asking. Yeah. It was just the same experience, but with a worse worse screen. So I figured, you know, given the game is all about visuals, I might as well do it. Um Thing. But, like, th- they still do point and click, so you still have to move the quote-unquote mouse cursor, um, but using a joystick. And it doesn't yeah. recenter very well. And half the time I couldn't tell if the problem was that, like, my Joy-Con wasn't responding to input, or I just wasn't sure what kind of input it wanted me to do. Like, does it want me to press the button? Does it want me to press and hold the button? Does it want me to grab and drag something? Does it want me to, like, just, like, mouse over it? Like, the the control scheme was all over the place and with no good, like, uh, you know, cueing or indicators of how you were supposed to interact with anything. Yeah, I had the exact same experience. Yeah. Is it as bad on PC? Yeah. It's no, like no. It, it, it probably I didn't no, no. Okay. Okay. But like yeah. So that's, I'm just, that's definitely. A- I'm just thinking like there's so many switch ports for indie games, and it's just like bad news over and over and over again. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I mean a lot of the ones that I have played, like I played Goragoa on the Switch, and that has touch control, like that. That uses touch for click and drag stuff. Um, I think later Alligator also had touch input, um, and this one just didn't. And that, and I, I even tried to see like if it, on the very very off chance that it had gyro aim, which it didn't. 
Um, if that would be a little would've easier to like, maneuver. That also would have yeah, been that... good. It just needed yeah. a little love of someone thinking about the affordances. And, you know, like, I can't, I can't really, you know, uh, this is a little bit like throwing stones or glass houses or whatever, because we didn't change anything about our control scheme for the Switch for our game. But, you know, RPGs are a little bit more controller native than point and click. Which mm -hmm. of which pointing is literally half and like does not work well with the joystick. Yeah, I also um I also did experience like two points where the game was blocked on me. Um, and that I looked it up. Apparently, other people have had this issue. Um, which is annoying, but uh, you know I'm not gonna gripe too much about that. That's I think that just kind of comes with the territory. In of doing games, ports. what are you gonna do? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so. Yeah. Do we want to go through it bit by yeah, bit? Yeah, okay, we, let's go through it. Let's call it here. <laughs> no, let's go through the chapters, because there are some parts of it, as as I said, that I really liked, and I think it, on, on, like, individual parts of this taken in isolation are very, very good. It's mm -hmm. just the, like, big picture whole thing. I am... I am like roll roll big mad that this got nominated for uh, a narrative award at IGF because like yeah. music like like art perfectly great music probably for the jazz improv sequence alone uh, I would you know give it a nod for for audio but narrative like it doesn't tell like it tells the story in an okay way but you have better examples of that in the in the nominees and the story it's telling is not that interesting when you get down to it yeah and i i kind of like there's i there's some problematic stuff in the the like conflation of uh you know something as big and fundamental as like the creation of the universe and like the fundamental uh, aspects of, um, you know, of creation and of the beginning of time and like these really big ideas with, oh, this is like violence against a woman who deserved it because she was cheating on a man, right? Like it is, I know it's not actually trying to say that, but I feel like you, you know, if you use noir as your base, you are inherently like, adopting a lot of tropes and cliches that you could do interesting things with, but this game just kind of leans into those uninteresting tropes and cliches. So, yeah. Um, I, I wish there was like a noir game with a noir story. Those are so rare. Yeah. Yeah, with like cool, cool twisty mysteries and things like that. Yeah, that's all you, all you get is like, uh, like the theming. Yeah, you you just get the, the sort of tone and genre trappings without actually having a cool noir story. Yeah, <clears throat> LA noir and like the mafia games, I guess to some extent. But those are just those are just like GTA clones. Who cares? Yeah, and yeah, all you get all you get with the genre is like grittiness and violence against women that's <laughs> kind of like okay <laughs> and sometimes yeah. a very put upon a very put upon male main character yeah yeah we deserve better you guys 
yeah hopefully we, we deserve better but yeah, we'll see. that's true yeah um all right so let's go, yeah sorry let's go through the the sequences so starting with the prologue which is yeah you're in you're in a little diner you're selling watches on the street i guess you're like a watchmaker slash watch repairer as your day job your character is not actually a detective yeah i i am confused by the idea of you are a um oh god i forget the the actual real term for a watchmaker um and i'm not going to remember while i'm talking about this so i'm just gonna let it go but you're you are an actual watchmaker um but somehow you're selling them like contraband in the streets like in your trench coat hey psst, come here you want to buy a watch like what huh that doesn't make any sense. Horology? Um, is it horology? I think so. Maybe. I googled, I googled watchmaker and horology was the term, like horologist was the term that came up. So maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm going to say that's right. But yeah. Um, yeah, you're you're selling watches out on the street. And then... Could be, you go back to your a cute joke where it where it's it seems like they present it like you're selling knockoff watches and then it's like oh no actually you're just a watchmaker mm -hmm. um yeah and then you go back to your your crappy apartment but that's also in a clock tower i guess for reasons um i think like if this game had a more coherent metaphor i would say that your main character represents time in the main metaphor. Um, I think he's supposed to. But yeah, that's so how let's, I took it. that's why he's like very clock themed. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then uh, for some reason, I guess you're because you're sad, you decide to call up the, the girl that you slept with once, who happens to be a very famous jazz singer. Um, I guess he does like walk by her apartment before he goes home and she is she's throwing, throwing a bunch of clothes and stuff out the window. Yeah, which is shorthand for she's dumped her boyfriend who lives with her. Um So yeah, you go back home and decide to call her and when you arrive at her place, uh she is in the process of being shot by her her ex-beau Golden Boy who is um a formerly the saxophonist in her band um and you you take a swig from your flask and it basically stops everything in place and there's there's and i think that's it yeah in the apartment there's three sort of areas you can look at the like you know naked like half covered in bed sheets uh singer um, you can look at the desk where you put all of the like clues and things, uh, not even clues, but like the plan you're assembling as you're constructing it. Um, and then there's like the, the gunshot, which is like this big sort of linear expanse of space full of stars. Um, and you know, with golden boy shooting and your goal is to, enter some of those stars and turn them into black holes while simultaneously gathering pieces for a machine that will stop the big bang um because it's yeah because metaphor um i guess i'm not sure like turning the stars into black hole is a metaphor i think that's just you yeah are... that, that's literal um but like i'm, I'm just not sure like how 
Because like the 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 gunshot and the actual machine you build do not seem to be in any kind of related to each other space in any way. Um, so it's yeah, it all gets very sort of dreamlike and surreal, which you know on its own is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's you know you sort of you sort of get it uh, as you're going. Um, so the first space, and so the way this is presented is that, like, in the gunshot space, they'll give you um, a series of stars. And some of them you click on, and they're just, like, duds, and they'll give you, like, a one-line little single image of, like, oh, you know, this one was false. Or, you know, like, this one, you know, like, dashed expectations. went cold, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they each have, like, a different little one-liner. Uh, but some of them will be, like, special portals that uh you can click to go into which uh for whatever reason took me a really long time to figure out how to enter um because i didn't get that you have to you have to click on the diamond in the middle i was just trying to click to go forward uh and it, yeah. it took me a while to realize that the cursor changes when it's over the diamond to to be a different direction because um, they don't really tutorialize that in any way and it turns out that like the way the cursor is pointing is actually super important for the UI. Uh, and yeah. that's not really established very well. So you kind of have to pick yeah. it up on the fly. Yeah, it's definitely the, like, I understand, I understand and I can appreciate the decision to not tutorialize anything. Um, I'm sure that's fine when you're using a mouse and you can easily yeah. just rub over the screen and see the change, but not yeah, I, yeah i just feel like it's not that there is too much going on in this game uh, mechanically but rather visually there is frequently a lot going on and it can be difficult to decide like what you're supposed to interact with and like you said before um when you're playing it on console on a controller it's difficult to to know you know do i do i cursor over do i push a button do i hold the button do i have to hold the button and move the the stick like what what is the magic combination that will get me there um which is you know very frustrating it's it's just it's yeah it's just frustrating even though i can respect the decision not to do tutorializing you know it's it's like it's the swing and a miss i guess yeah and also like i'm not sure how much like a tutorial would help with a lot of those problems you need a lot better visual cueing for which which control is expected of you at any given time not just the same cursor yeah. every time um yeah. and also i feel like there were a lot of times where it did actually drop input on me because there were a lot of times where there was like uh you know an eye icon and i would click and nothing would happen and then i'd click three times and nothing would happen and then suddenly it would go in and then immediately out again like it just suddenly registered my click so I think it like also did have like either bad input recognition or my Joy-Con is going one of the two. Which is also yeah. likely. Yeah, which is also That's, likely because yeah. Joy-Cons are, are notorious for that kind of failure. So yeah, which is that, you know, not Genesis Noir's fault, but it's it's, you know, it's telling that I could not tell how much of it was the Joy-Con and how much of it was the game. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so you go, you also have a series, the first one is in the prologue, but you have a series of uh, what I call the, like, fractal moments. Um, 
even though they're not actually fractal. They're 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 like the thing that um, manifold garden we have does. Two mirrors facing each other. Yeah, yeah, oh, the yeah, thing that, that where yeah, the thing manifold garden does, where you like see infinite repetitions of a thing into into infinity, um, and you uh, in those sequences, they always represent like memories of the the backstory between the main character and um, and Miss Mass and sort of their how they met and like what their deal was, and a lot of them require like very precise. Like, you have to mouse over a bunch of these shapes to get them to pop. And that's also very hard to do with a joystick. Because the, the you know, there is a, a quote-unquote mouse speed adjuster, like a cursor speed, uh, in the options. But if, you're, if you turn it down, it takes forever to get the cursor to travel across the screen. And if you turn it up then it goes too fast for you to have any kind of control or precision over where it lands to do fine-grained movements. So it's just, there's no happy medium. Like, it's just yeah. like you can get the slightly less shitty version of both by putting it in the middle, and that's about the best you can do. Oh, shit. You know, that reminds me of something else. So the game um, the game opens up with a big, big epilepsy warning. Like, they, there is sort of a, a flickering effect on the background, that is not super over like it's not like pokemon send a bunch of small japanese children into epileptic fits level but like the background sort of flickers between various shades of gray and at the very beginning it says you can turn this off in the options uh if if you have you know epilepsy if you're worried about photosensitive issues in the switch version i did not see the option to turn that off which seems like a big big oversight considering that that is a like full page of text talking about it yeah a literal health hazard the game um like carl did you i i don't know if you would have gone into the options to look but what like was that option there on pc is this just an oversight that it was not there on the switch like what is going on <laughs> because oh boy. i i don't know yeah that's I fair i i mean yeah i don't think there's really any reason to but that seems like that seems like a pretty big oversight, considering how strongly they highlighted the the potential for um, you know photosensitivity issues. Anyway, so I I, I don't want to be as mean to this game as I am being, but no, I I agree. <laughs> there's there's uh, there's as I say, the individual pieces, a lot of them really fucking great and spectacular. Just the sum of its parts that didn't quite get there. But again, yeah. let's go through. Let's go through the parts. So the first, yeah. the first star you go into is the seating one, and I, I liked this one conceptually. This is the one I feel like that has the most sort of puzzly aspect to it, where you actually mm -hmm. like have to make, have to understand what's going on and make decisions. <laughs> um, yeah, which is there's a there's three kinds of like light in a garden and you're planting seeds that absorb either light like bright light like white light golden light or darkness which, or, which is like black light basically um and you have to like first you get only white light and then you have to uh, absorb some stuff to get access to the black light one and then and then the gold one eventually um uh, and all of these seem to be, all of these like little segments have a, um, have a little blurb at the beginning, which is about 
something about the creation of the universe or or the like evolution of humanity and life on and or life on earth um and then the theme of it is very 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 loosely uh attached to or inspired by that blurb mm-hmm. um and so the first one i guess is about um like the the big bang itself and how like atoms are scattered everywhere and so the seeds are somehow like a metaphor for like being the atoms spread throughout space that like are the seeds of of life and creation um and you're usually chasing golden boy in some metaphorical sense in most of these segments like he's somewhere in the space or he's like a big constellation that that is overhead and you are confronting him sometimes you like destroy him sometimes he just like moves on sometimes he just disappears and it's unclear all of this is very very abstract so it's hard to be definitive about anything yeah um but Uh, in this one you are absolutely just following him um and eventually you 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 know you plant these seeds not only to um traverse obstacles of these various types of light but also you are planting them like actually in the ground at predetermined points that gives you like bridges and each time you plant one of these like bridge seeds it gives you um, a different little mini game type of interaction that you have to play to get it to grow so there's one i'm looking through the screenshots right now there's one where you're like adjusting sound frequencies and once it's sort of zeroed in on the right one, it lets the plant grow. There's another one where you're um, destroying obstacles in the soil so that the roots can get to, like, the, the groundwater table. There's just, one, I think, where you, like, short rotate. Little interactions. Yeah, there's one where you rotate, oh. uh, like, a, a, a astral bodies to convey the, the passage of time. And to their credit, like, a lot of these are introductions of mechanics that you will then use again later in other segments. So it's sort of like a little tutorial, <clears throat> although they don't tell you really how to do any of these things. You just kind of have to figure them out at the time. I I was so confused by like one of the very first things you have to do is there's like a daisy that pops up. And if you like mouse over the little dots in the daisy, they like make music and start to glow. But what you actually have to do is uh, pluck the petals off it like in a, you know, she loves me, she loves me not kind of thing. Oh, I thought you had to do both because I lit the whole thing up and then I was like, okay, Okay. so you have to do both. I spent so long trying to figure out how it was related to only lighting up the the lights that I I was just like doing stuff and doing stuff. I'm like, do I I just have to get them all lit? Do I have to do it in a certain pattern? Do I have to get because it seemed like, oh, it was just after the idea of spirals was introduced for the first time. So I'm like, oh, my God, do I have to get it to spiral? That's going to be fucking impossible with a joystick. And I just tried it for a really long time before I realized there was more to the screen interaction than that. Um, yeah. And I had a lot of I had a lot of little issues like that to the point where if I was feeling stuck in a spot, I was like, there's probably some kind of interaction on this screen that I'm missing. Let me just scrub along the screen with the joystick to see if I can get the cursor to change to a different shape. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a valid strategy that I also employed pretty, uh, pretty readily. Uh, It would be easy with a mouse, but the one I had a problem with was like. 
There's the one where you have to grow a tree. You like yeah. cut off branches and it grows bigger. And I thought I would have to like grow the tree as much as possible. Yeah, but instead it's just click on the birds once the birds show. The birds. Oh. Yeah, I, I wasted a lot of time on that one too. Yeah, so that's that's seating. Eventually you get to the hill where Golden Boy is and you <clears throat> I think you plant seeds that absorb him or that absorb the thing he's looking at. I forget. Um let's see. Oh yeah, it looks like either you grow a tree next to him or the tree is already there and you um you you pluck the fruit off of the tree and it falls on his head and distracts him. That's right. And the we should mention the spiral. So one of the first things you discover in the like death scene that's stuck in time is uh, you you grab the shell from the the shell casing from the gunshot, um, and the bottom of it has a spiral on it, and it burns your hand. It like imprints the spiral into your palm. Um, so the spiral becomes this kind of recurring shape. Uh, you you sort of they they reveal towards the end that the spiral shape represents like the gravitational pull of a black hole, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's a metaphor for like Miss Mass is like the center of his universe and she's got this you know gravitational pull that he can't escape etc cetera, etc, cetera. Um, yeah. which like cute sure good fine, and yeah so the the spiral is like a the thing you're looking for in each level is you have to find an object that like contains the spiral that will help you build this machine um and also the spiral on your hand is the way you like exit every level is by looking at your hand and like clicking the spiral mm-hmm. and in as i said in in not every level but in most levels there's also a um a like memory sequence where you go into like fractal space and then you have to pop some kind of shape uh in order to get get back out of the memory um, okay, then there's the there's Starstruck, which is that's the one where you um, you're just gathering stardust and like you blow out a cigarette. I guess that's that's a short one. This one, yeah, I don't know if you had an issue with this one on the Switch, but basically the this trail of stardust leads you to Golden Boy, who is in the middle of like a planet, and you're supposed to just walk straight into the planet. And I had that huge problems on the switch where it just didn't want like i don't know if it was a a camera angle issue but it just did not want to let me like make that screen transition and it took like a solid like 15 seconds of just walking forward but not moving forward before it would just kind of let me like make that little transition through into the next part of the scene that was a that was a weird one i actually had to look that one up because i was like i don't know what i'm like there's nothing for me to interact with what am i doing um, yeah. yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah, a lot of times I think it was it's a matter of like there's invisible walls in certain spots but not others and like where you yeah. are on the screen makes a big difference, but it's unclear where you're supposed to be like where that that spot you're supposed to be is. Is that problem yeah. also on PC? Um I didn't notice anything, but I do know that your character slows down right before. Yeah, that probably affects it too. Yeah. Um, it, it slows down in the same way that you slow down, like when you're basically approaching the edge of the map where you're allowed to walk. 
So I thought that I was not supposed to go that way because it does the exact same thing where it slows you down and then eventually sort of slowly turns you around and puts you back on a path towards, you know, where you can actually move around. Uh, it was just a weird one. But yeah, all you really, yeah, all you really do is put out a cigarette once you find him. So. Yeah. Um, and this one, the first few don't actually give you a piece of the spiral that you need. Um, that starts to come in a little later. Uh, at least I don't think, maybe you do get a spiral from the seeds one? I don't know. Um, I really don't remember which ones give you pieces and which ones don't. Yeah, I don't mm. think it, it doesn't really, really matter. Yeah. You do every, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, do you, like, can you skip a couple of the, like, last uh, two areas and just go straight to the black hole one at the end? Cause I the, don't like, think so. Okay, because there's three of them, and one of them says, like, there's no returning from here, which made me wonder, like, oh, if I just do that one, do I just not do the other two? Oh, I didn't think you could do the last one. But maybe uh, you can. I don't know, I didn't, I didn't try, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loser who follows the rules, um, and I just did <laughs> them in the order that they, that they appeared on the, on the line. You're not a loser, but I am. That's fair. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. That would be... That would be worth um, going back and checking out if I hadn't already deleted the game from my Switch. Oh, that mad. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, it's like, it's pretty big, and I need, I do need to get, like, an actual um, bigger SD card for my Switch, because yeah, I'm, I have, I'm pretty I have, much at capacity. I have actually very few games for my Switch, so I'm just going to leave it until I need the space, but uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, reflection is next. You come across uh, Golden Boy standing in a big lake and/or ocean, some kind of body of water, and he's like a giant. And he's you have to get him to play the saxophone several times so that he will then throw it at you or something so you can take it. I think he. I don't. I don't remember. I remember that this one culminates in you pick up the um, the saxophone. Like that's what you get from this one. Um, oh, this is the one with the the little water critters in it. Yeah, yeah. This is this one has the little water critters and like the the DNA shapes that you make out of the stars. Um, it's sort of about like the evolution of life uh, in the oceans. By the way, can I just say this is such a like. Well, maybe it's not a nitpick. It's it's feels like a nitpick, but actually I think it's core to like why the central this shit doesn't work. Um, but they don't do the the segments of like how things relate to the origins of the universe are not in order. Like they're roughly similar, but like the evolution of life comes before the coalescence of planets and things like that. And that bothers me. <laughs> that bothers yeah. me a lot of me that like if you're gonna do a central metaphor for a thing like commit to it don't just like vaguely wave in the direction of it you know commit to doing it in a way that like you know you're you're actually like following the the science narrative um but yeah yeah i i also sort of felt the same way about that although i guess Although I guess looking at the list of scenes, I guess Starstruck does sort of follow the coalescing of planets, and then this one would be the you know the the beginnings of life, um, 
and seeding even though seeding does have like you plant a tree and animals come out of the ground like that that literally happens in one sequence but i think that one is definitely more metaphorical as you know for gather, that's how think, how matter yeah i think but one of the later ones like gather is about um like is about the the origins like some of the origins of civilization stuff but i think the blurb is actually also about like space dust gathering into planets um yeah. and there was there was one later on where i felt like the the blurb was like really out of order and i'm like why is this here and not like one of the first three um yeah the blurb the blurbs definitely do come out of order i think the the sequences themselves are okay <laughs> but yeah the the blurbs i will agree with you on that are just like Oh, I guess you needed some text to support your theme here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah. So yeah, reflection does one... have does have one of my favorite segments, which is like where you're assembling like little uh, underwater creatures with different like evolutionary like advantages to see which one can successfully move forward, which I thought was like which is kind of a cute like little mini game. <laughs> This one was cute. Um, this this section though did have a lot of like dumb tedious. Like there was the after you make the like little DNA like cell shapes out of stars. I guess there's there's like a segment where you just pick up what I think I think these are like supposed to be bits of DNA. The, the bits that you pick up and they form into a circle and then you've got more of them and you just like you're just clicking on things until it forms into a circle and then proceeding like I don't know I don't think I had to, I, I don't think it would it, it benefited me to have to do that five times yeah um, and that's how I feel about a lot of these mini games um where there will be like you have to do this thing five times and the first one maybe is like this is how this mechanic works but then you have to repeat it several more times, and it's the three is enough. Like the rule of threes exists for a reason. Yeah, and sometimes and it's, it's a good rule, three, and sometimes yeah, it overstays its welcome. Yeah, this was one where I'm like, you keep doing it, and it also like every time you do it, it gets more elaborate. But then the thing fails, and it's only like the last one that succeeds, and like that feels like negatively reinforcing uh, feedback, right? Like. If you if you're like ah you you assembled a circle but this one is not good enough it's like oh well did I do it wrong do I have to like actually isolate more of this other shape like am I you know like what am I doing it's like no you just have to repeat the action five times <laughs> it's like well then why are you giving me like this failure feedback come on this I know you're trying to like do a metaphor here but this is still a game you still have to care about how you're communicating to the player that's yeah. what interactivity are you talking about, about the um the the scientist segment there well that also <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I, was thinking, yeah. I was thinking more that this this one that you're talking about where you're like assembling the uh okay the yeah. little circles because like when when you finish the first four of the five circles they like turn black and fall right where it's like and there's oh, like, a, there's like a dong sound effect where it's like oops um and it's like that's not good feedback but i yeah. the radio circle yeah. that's a failure the I mean, science one definitely did. But. Yeah. Yeah. The science one, at least, like, there's a very clear, like, proceeding. Like, they, they at least have some queuing to show you. And in this one, there's the queuing is that, like, each time you do it, 
the circle you're creating is like bigger and more elaborate. And so, like also, that, you move on to the next place. Oh yeah, I guess you slightly move forward in space. So it's not like completely, um, it's not like completely confusing. It just feels like slightly demoralizing in a in a weird way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then you're assembling these little critters and you have to get like, okay, do the one that can like, you know, give it the, the shape that can like scoot faster than the others. Give it a shape that can like fly. Give it a shape that has like a light so it can see into dark places. And like, that that was cute. I appreciate that little like, you know, nod to sort of evolution. Yeah. Um, so that's our, that's our like early beginnings of life. Um, oh, I remember the other thing that made me feel like stuff was out of order. Uh, in the in the seating one, one of the trees that you build like has an explosion of like plants and animals, where it's like um, implies that you're like bringing you know life to a space. But that's actually not where life happens in the sequence. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be metaphorical, but it's not a very good metaphor. Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> a metaphor because it's already a thing in the metaphor you're trying to communicate. Yeah. Yeah, like it's... earth plants and animals is a thing you will touch yeah. on later. Yeah, it's uh yeah, poorly chosen. Um so uh, yeah, that's so after you do reflection that's where you get the um the saxophone and then in the next segment and the next like few segments are sort of the the origins of human life and the human culture. Yeah, human life and then eventually um civilization and culture. So it starts with um, hunter-gatherers. So the first one is hunt, and basically you are you're tracking golden boys like foot footprints um, through a forest, and and then it, it becomes I, tracking a deer's footprints through the forest. Yeah, I feel like at this point, like this is sort of the last chapter where golden boy is really even around, and then he just kind of fucks off from the story for yeah. most of the rest of the story. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's like not really relevant again. Like he appears as a big constellation face here and there, but yeah, he's not really relevant. And instead, you meet like the first of uh, characters that will later become uh, important. Although there's not really like they're not really well established as characters, and it's completely unclear that they are going to become important. But yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I they're, also they're say definitely this. The I think you get like some scenes like between intermissions between the areas where like it kind of makes sense for golden boy to sort of fall off because you're no longer because you stop like like chasing golden boy but why I don't know. what like i don't i don't maybe are those scenes optional that i didn't see i'm not sure um yeah, yeah I, I, don't I, I don't i don't really like i don't understand what you're <laughs> what you're referring to it will, like, as a player, Golden Boy becomes, like, the first setup, the first goal you have to, like, stop Golden Boy. But, like, okay, as so the story like, like, evolves, after... it becomes more of, like, find out about... Like, you have to, yeah, like, you have to collect the piece, like, you've basically done everything you can by following him, so now you just have to build your machine, and for that you need spirals? Pretty much. Yeah, I guess that makes. I guess, sense. but like in your in your noir part of this metaphor, you're still he's still there and shooting a gun, so it's not like he's disappeared from the context of the noir narrative. 
but um, like it's just that his relevance is gone, I guess. But you know, he's not actually that relevant in the first place, other than being the inciting incident of the Big Bang. So it's like either he's relevant or he's not. It's just weird that he is for a little bit in the beginning and then just drops off. It feels like it should be one or the other. Also, what is Golden Boy supposed to represent in the metaphor of the Big Bang? It's like, I feel like, you know, no man is time and Miss Mass is matter, I guess. Um, so what I is think, Golden Boy? I guess I sort of interpreted Golden Boy as um, energy because he supplies light and I think in, to some extent heat as well. And he's a saxophone player. I know Miss Mass is a singer, but as a saxophone player, he like makes um, the kind of energy that, you know, vibrates the air and makes sound waves. So I, I took him to be just like energy in general. But I guess that makes I don't know if that's... roughly sense in the metaphor, right? Where it's like, there's no kind of like, yeah. the, the Big Bang is imparting like energy and space into this, into matter. So sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, like, you're doing a metaphor. As I say, like, you should commit to the metaphor. It's got it. like, it doesn't have yeah, but to like, be something, but... If you're, if you're doing a metaphor, like, if he's time, then kind of implies time exists before Big Bang. Yeah. Uh, it's It doesn't hang together well. <laughs> so... Yeah. If they're just, like, a character... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and sort of like it, you know, if you just take them as noir characters, it's fine. But again, then like you don't have an interesting metaphor, and like the game kind of like really revolves itself around this idea of these two things being intertwined in metaphors, but they don't really relate to each other in any kind of meaningful way, and that bothers the hell out of me. Um, but let's continue. So <laughs> you're on the hunt. You're searching for, you end up searching for this big deer, um, and then you get, um, you get its antler eventually. And as part of this, you, like, find your way into a cave where you find this huntress woman drawing um, cave paintings of animals on the inside of the cave. And that, you know, isn't, it doesn't, isn't really highlighted as more meaningful than any other sequence in this set of sequences, but is apparently in retrospect uh, a meaningful encounter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you you see her in the cave drawing, and then she like becomes aware of your presence, and I guess you get freaked out and run away. You run out of the cave. Um, you resume tracking the deer, and just as you you know tr attempt to like engage with the deer, she just shows up with a spear and fucking mercs the deer yep and then you advance time until it becomes a pile of bones and then you can get its antler mm -hmm. yeah and that's what you get you get an antler in the shape of a spiral and that's your 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 prize for the level yep um and then the next one is kind of about the origins of like human like agriculture i guess which is gather is the next one um, mm -hmm. And you kind of go through a bunch of ancient civilizations until you get to, I guess, Pompeii, someplace right next to a volcano. Um, yeah. And then, like, the, the woman who was the huntress before is now, like, uh, maybe, a, like, a, either a religious or political leader or something, and she has a caduceus um, 
that she's holding and you end up get, getting the caduceus when after the volcano goes off and kills everybody. Yeah. This one this one is like one of the more mechanically light because basically all you're doing is moving like panning the camera um towards the right side of the screen and just sort of watching these vignettes appear and sometimes you have to sort of tap on things um but i, I like like this one i think was one of the better ones um because it wasn't too long and it wasn't too mired down in mechanics yeah i thought at first that you had to collect a lot of the things so that was frustrating for me and it wasn't until like halfway through where i realized like oh i can just like walk through and not just collect every yeah. single one yeah i had i had the same experience um of just like tapping on everything and then realizing oh these these like automatically make a a trail for me to follow so i'm just gonna not do that but yeah it, it starts off with like you know basically hunter gatherers learning how to um, raise animals and farm crops, and then it becomes, you know, pottery, um, currency, and, buildings. Okay, let me just, like, this was a weird thing that um, <clears throat> I feel like almost works as a metaphor throughout, but also kind of bothered me a little bit, is that a lot of times it seems to be implying that the way, and I guess this makes sense if he's, if he represents time, but the way you interact with a lot of things is by destroying them. Um, and in this sequence in particular, a lot of the shit you do is like break all the pottery um, and like destroy a wall and, you know, things like that. And I guess, you know, if you think of it in terms of the metaphor of like, it's time wearing things down, um, then like that works. But at the time I read it more as like, saying that because this is um you know the first time that destruction is a major like part of stuff um uh and it's the one about like the uh you know rise of human civilization i took it to be about how like oh the core of human civilization is violence and destroying things and like that has been the the you know main factor of our progression and I'm like, I don't, I don't like that assumption at all. Um, and again, like, I didn't. As as it goes I didn't forward, have interpretation, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's this is like the thing I said. You know, where are we are giving a talk on like how to properly communicate theme, and the problems mm -hmm. that arise when you don't think about like what you are communicating and implying as you go through, where it's like, sure. Like, maybe, like, time as a destructive force is what you want to communicate. Or maybe you didn't think about it that much at all, and it was just a cute mechanic that you came up for for this sequence. Yeah. But it's, like, if the first time you introduce doing a lot of destructive things is in the sequence that's about how the, how human culture, like, came up and became more than just, like, simple hunters, like... You're you're making implications here, and it's it, I don't know. This was yeah, one of those no, I mean, where I started to go, like, is this game actually just more style than substance? Like, is this game actually not <laughs> communicating anything? Yeah, I I sort of always figured that it tied into, you know, the, the ultimate goal is to stop the Big Bang. So early on, I sort of decided, I guess that 
you know, eventually no man is going to reverse everything that he's done in order to save his girlfriend, question mark. Um, so he it, like it doesn't matter if he's destroying things because he's just gonna undo everything that has been created in this in this moment anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean that's this is this is actually I feel like this is a really good time to have done this game when you have um when you're when oh, Kyla, when you are in this particular mindset to really analyze things because that's a good that's I mean that's a good like that's a good thing to consider what you have just brought up. So yeah. yeah. Our our talk is literally called it's titled Everything Means Something. And it's a, like a large part of the beginning of the talk is about how like no matter what you do, even if you don't want your game to mean anything, people are going to take interpretations away from it. And you should be like very conscientious mm -hmm. about what interpretations your or what readings your work does and doesn't support. And I feel like they really didn't care what readings <laughs> this game supported. Because it supports yeah. it supports a bunch of very conflicting ones. Yeah. Um, and you know, like obviously, I'm coming at this with a, that kind of agenda, which you know is is an agenda and is a thing that I like believe in strongly, and not necessarily everyone does. But you know, fuck it, that's that's my perspective. This is how I'm going to interpret it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so that's the gather. You get the Caduceus at the end, and that's sort of your spiral for that one. Uh, mm -hmm. And then is thaw. Mm -hmm. I liked this one. This was another one that I really liked. Um, probably because it actually... F this was the, the, the ancient Japan one. Where you have to get stuff to make tea. So it starts off, you are basically... Well, it starts off, you're in, in space. And basically you are, like, the Earth has... You're, you're looking at the Earth from, you know, an outside perspective. And you have to sort of tilt the planet on various axes to create the climate which is also not the order in which things happened because the earth, tilt of the earth's yeah. axis comes before the creation of life but all right let's <laughs> we've said that already let's go actually yeah because because the the um the episode i think where they actually do the tilt of the axis is like two episodes later or one episode later um but yeah that's 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 that one's definitely out of order. But anyway, yeah, you're tilting the planet and making the climate, um, and you end up in sort of snowy feudal Japan, and you meet like a, a, a warlord, I think is what he is, or some kind of you know feudal lord, and he demands things to make tea, and it, it basically is just walk through this environment and find the things that you need. So you need um, a cup, which you, you he has. You don't have to gather that. You need firewood, you need tea, and you need water. And it's basically just like a little a little trek through a nice little environment finding these things. Um, and then you go back. Yeah, and the tea leaves the tea leaves, it's worth noting, you find in like an overturned tea cart by a mm -hmm. like burning town. Um, yeah. which I think implies the guy who like the the warlords uh is coming to this person's house. I think is the tea maker who like was who did used to live in this town and it was like burned down um possibly by this warlord I, I like yeah. I may be reaching but that's the that's what I got from this 
I think that's fair because um for one for one thing you do see so the character like the big important character is this like Ronin. The Ronin is what he's called. He's like a straw hat Ronin with a little little basket hat. Um but you you bring the ingredients back to the warlord and he makes tea and then he gets killed by yeah. this Ronin. Um, yeah, it and... seems to imply that he's maybe also there to, like, collect taxes or something, because he, like, rifles through your shit and breaks shit. Yeah. Or rifles through the Ronin's shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and you get this flashback from from the Ronin's perspective of, like, this this guy basically killed his entire town, so he's out for revenge. Um, and then you do, like, a, a sequence of little puzzle bits where you're putting together the things that the warlord has that are broken in a sort of kintsugi that thing where they use like gold to put pieces of pottery back together um and the last thing that you put back together is the teacup that shattered when the the warlord was killed and it's got a little spiral pattern uh, on the bottom and that's your spiral for the uh the segment. by the way what does the ronin represent because I feel like the other four characters kind of represent something like the hunter-gatherer is sort of like survival and like the, you know, the genesis of human culture. And the later ones, like all kind of represent big ideas in or you know, the other two to me, you know, represent pretty obvious big ideas. But what is the Ronin? Is he just violent? Is that just what he represents? Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I guess you could sort of make the the argument that... Um that the the hunter because you don't you don't pick anyone up from the gather segment you only pick someone up from the hunt segment so you could argue that like the hunter is the the very earliest like the very earliest example of humanity and the ronin is like actual civilization i mean if the if if he is civilization it's also saying something very grim about civilization where it's like oh yeah civilization is about how like people can't help hurting each other and take revenge upon one another for acts of violence and repay violence with more violence and like that's the history of human culture which again like is reinforcing that idea that the other one established and this is like a recurring theme that i'm like not that comfortable with especially on top of oh the whole universe originates from violence against someone um like yeah. okay like yeah, you I have I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, I also like I'm not sure that that necessarily is what the Ronin is supposed to represent. I like like <sighs> I said, I I couldn't really place this one. Like this one is kind of just floating in space for me. Yeah, um, he's to me like he either represents like human interactions generally or like the way humans are violent generally. Um and either way, it still says like as a metaphor that humans are inherently violent and like yeah, it's, harm each other. So it's a little telling. Yeah. Even if, even if that's not explicitly the, um, the, the thing he represents, it is, it is telling. Um, it's embedded in his character because like his main introduction is a story about someone who like killed his whole family and then he killed them. Like that is what this story is about. It's yeah. not, it's not like a, su that's not a subtle reading. That's literally what's in the text. So. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that carries on into the next episode or into the next chapter as well, um, which starts. So this one is primarily 
concerned with sound, I guess. Yeah, radio. Um, it starts wave. off with um, improvisation. Yeah. By the way, this one is probably my favorite segment. Yeah, just, this one's just really because great. the procedural really music, the procedural music stuff is real nice. Um, uh huh. And it's just like, it's it's fun to play with when when you get to just kind of like tweedle around. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's fun to just kind of tweedle around. Do you disagree? You feel like like oh, yeah. this noise. Yeah, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you want that. Um, so the first like part of this segment, you are you're basically following a sound wave through first through like empty space and then that empty space becomes you know a planet and then it becomes a city and you're trying to figure out where the sound wave um originates and it originates from uh, a man in a train station uh playing an upright bass and you i you just become friends with the bass man um it starts off well, you you play the saxophone that apparently you still have. I thought you took it out of your coat, but I guess you didn't. Um, or except you definitely did, but you have it still. Um, and it, it, you basically like play a nice little duet with the bass man. Yeah, the um, musician. First off, character that you yeah. follow through. Mm -hmm. um, first off, it has like a little Simon Says sequence. So also, he'll play question, uh, question though. Um, mm -hmm. Is the musician implied to be a character that you actually knew in the before times? Because it seemed like maybe it was, oh, but then, so. but then, yeah, it, it, that doesn't make any sense later. But that was my initial impression: was like, oh, this is actually a backstory of like this guy you met in the before times. Maybe it's just because the the space that he's in is this sort of like, you know, concrete city type landscape, which is the same as the before times. The 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 what what do they call it the constant the constant uh, it's like yeah. the before world, um, and so maybe that just like misled me. Um, I don't quite remember how I got that interpretation, but for some reason, like I was like, oh yeah, this is a guy that he already knows. Um, maybe it was from one of the text bits or something. I don't know, but yeah, yeah that doesn't actually make any sense. So to me, it just looked yeah. like he like. He was playing, and they started jamming, like he wanted to jam. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I didn't see it as it's someone he knew from the before times, but again, this is another case where it's everything is kind of muddied because this sequence echoes a little too strongly the the overall mood of the constant and what what that how that is portrayed. Also, just like a little is, too similar. Was that was No Man always a musician? Like, was was his music playing one of the things that like influenced his relationship with Miss Mass and with Golden Boy? Or because this I guy seems like was. sort of okay. So this guy is sort of a music mentor who's just teaching him to play music here in this time period, despite the fact yeah, that you already I, seem like so. you're kind of pretty good at it because you can improv with this guy. Yeah, I I think that's just a hand wave away the years and years of practice that you have to that you have I mean, to have to be a, a competent jazz improvisationalist. But it's you know. part of yes, following his instructions, right? Except yeah. then you're leading, but yeah. Yeah, but you do that later. Yeah, but also like it, 
playing an instrument at all is not easy, even if you are following someone's jazz lead. But yeah, all right. Well, it's so yeah. He's learning it then and there. That's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a real cute like Simon Says type thing where you're doing jazz improv, where like he'll he'll play some notes on his bass and you you follow those notes on the saxophone but then it switches it up where you get to play some notes on the saxophone and he'll follow it on the bass and like that feels really cool yeah um and then after after you get the you get rid of the like little simon says interface it basically becomes like click and drag across the sky and it makes you know procedurally generated music and that causes like the city to to form and, and then you, it... you will follow like he he's still kind of following you so like you'll generate some procedural music and then he'll generate like a a similar riff a similar procedural mm -hmm. riff and it like that feels like doing jazz improv and it feels really rad yeah and i mean however the hell they built this and made it work is very impressive that it that it works as well as it does and that it feels as good as it does um just in terms of doing it but then it actually ends up sounding good for the most part unless you really really go hard on it um yeah but yeah this is this is a great sequence um and again again we come back to violence um the the sequence ends with you know you get back on the train on the metro and you see by the way, I, as much as I loved that improv sequence, I could not figure out how to get out of it for the longest time. Same. Same. I had the exact same experience. I was like, oh, this is fun. I am done now. Do I just keep doing this? What am I doing? There's yeah. a train there. Like, do I do anything with it? Okay, that didn't do anything. I yeah, I, like, I, I, clicked, uh, I clicked on the train. I, yeah, I, I clicked on the train. Nothing happened. I guess that's not the way I do it. Um, is there anything else I can interact with? No. Do I just keep circling this? Because sometimes circling things enough has been a mechanic. Uh, and yeah, I guess there's some way of interacting with the train that I just didn't do right the first three times I tried. Um, Are yeah, you supposed to drag the train? Yeah, you have to drag the like, train, but it, it, it's got a lot of inertia. Yeah. And it takes, it, it, initially it doesn't look like it's doing anything. Yeah, it's also probably harder. Like three seconds. Yeah, it's probably harder to do that on purpose on the Joy-Con controller um, than yes. it is with a mouse. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, then yeah. Then violence recurs. Yeah. You you get off the metro with this guy, and the mob immediately comes up and shoots him. Uh, and you take his base. Take his bullet-riddled base. Yeah, his his bullet-riddled base as a as a memento of the good times you had with your friend. Um, because apparently, that's... apparently, the message of this game is that violence is inherently baked into every aspect of creation from the Big Bang onward. Um, but let's get yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting because eventually it becomes no, you can't, you have to save this, it's worth saving. But they've spent the whole game telling us that actually, no, humanity is uh, just basically bloodthirsty animals, but. You know, whatever. We'll get into it. The next, the next segment is called Collision. Um, yeah, this one's definitely out of order because it 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 goes into like the the big asteroid that basically put. Well, 
unless we're now getting into future things because we are now getting into future things but that's it doesn't seem like at the outset we are in the future yet it does kind of seem like it's it's talking about how the moon was created right like how there was a big yeah. thing that like hit earth and then spun off the moon yeah so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but yeah that's basically the first segment is you're kind of just walking through a landscape and there is a giant asteroid colliding with the earth over and over and over again um you get a flashback from there which basically shows how no man and miss mass like met at a bar um she gives him her phone number is this the point where um he goes to her apartment and no, they, I think they, the they sequence do the of doors later. But like we like because okay. those were so there's um there the series of memories involves like he goes to like there's one that involves going to the club and like listening to her sing and how meaningful that is to him. There's one that involves him uh meeting her at a bar and getting her phone number, and then there's one very important one that involves him showing up at her door. Um I, I think you you actually meet her backstage in one of these memories as well. Um, cause there's like a bunch of other women and then, the, yeah, there's an important one where you show up at her door with like a flower, um, and she like hands you her wine glass and like slips off her robe and you follow her into the apartment and the impl you know, implication is that you had sexy times. Yeah. I think the backstage one was actually a golden boy related one where he is surrounded by groupies oh, and maybe. that's justification showing like. He's a bad man, and he does not deserve this beautiful goddess of a woman. Also, something in the memories about like gambling and how you and you and Golden Boy, there was a watch involved, and there was some kind of gambling game. And I don't know if you lost the watch to Golden Boy or Golden Boy lost the watch to you, or like what the Golden deal Boy was. lost the watch. Yeah, because the watch I believe was monogrammed with. In in the reflection sequence when you're walking along the beach to meet Golden Boy, you see the, like all of these like trappings of his life, which is all like like a ring, a watch, a flask, and they're all monogrammed with uh, GB plus MM, like signifying their relationship together. Um, so I think I think, yeah, I think Golden Boy lost the watch to you because it's got it's got that similar monogram on it, and then, and then later he finds he finds it in her apartment and that's how he knows like she's cheating and he like shoots her i think yeah i th i think that's how it works that was the final piece was the watch and i i didn't that's that's yeah that makes sense now sort of as a as a sequence of events yeah now that we talk it through um, i got there i did not get that um <laughs> while playing but yeah yeah we did it gang. Yeah. we solved the mystery and i got it like at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so we're still in collide, or collision, or whatever it is. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you end up in a particle accelerator? <laughs> yeah, there's there's the, the, the old collision, your, your granddad's collisions, but now this is the new hot type of collisions, baby. It's particle accelerators. We're going to figure out the fabric of the universe, baby. Um, and that's, you end up, you you sort of walk through the particle accelerator and you get spit out the other end of it and um at this point now we are in the future i think it is mentioned that they are on mars 
I believe, in the future, um, working on this particle accelerator, except they also say in one point that all of this equipment is like old and salvaged and they're not quite sure how it works. So I don't know if this is like a, a post-societal collapse type of scenario where we are just sort of operating on the mysteries of the old tech from the days of yore or what. Um, but yeah, you, you meet this scientist and for some reason, I guess because you talk to her, the the notion of spirals becomes very important and you have to use this particle accelerator to prove to create that... a spiral yeah to create, like... a, to create a, a a collision of of particles that creates a spiral and and she keeps yeah. like she keeps trying to do it and failing and then you keep indirectly giving her an idea of for the next thing to try and so she keeps adding to this like machine dials to this machine um, and yeah, you have that, to this is the round. Yeah, this takes so this long. This is the big, dumb, tedious sequence where, um, yeah, each. So you start off, you have like a little monitor that shows your visualization, and you have like some dials to turn and some switches to pull and some little slidey, slidey things. And you have to configure it just so to produce, you know, a, a clear image, I guess, is what you're going for, is a to clear image, a not necessarily. To to produce a shape that she draws on the blackboard. Um, yeah. Which which it, I didn't realize at first that it's actually drawn on the blackboard. I didn't realize that until like the third one. <laughs> yeah, same, same, neither did I. Um, but you, you keep going through it and every every time it fails because the shape that she, like why, why didn't she just draw a spiral on the blackboard in the first place if you know that's what you're looking for? And you do know what that's looking for because on the output screen, there is a button that says spiral question mark and you push it. And if there's not a spiral on the output, then you fail. Like, <laughs> I don't know why she wasn't just looking for a spiral from the outset, but uh, uh, um, so every, every time you do this, and I think you have to do it like five or six times. Yeah. Five things. Yeah. More apparatus is added to the, the machine which means more little dials and things that you have to fiddle with. Um, and every time it fails, you, you get a little sequence with the scientist where like once she's, you know, she's like it's fallen asleep on her notes. So you make her, I guess, coffee in, in her little Erlenmeyer flask and she drinks the coffee and like gets a buzz, comes up with a new idea. Um, yeah. The final and one is, oh, go ahead. Each time on the blackboard, there are like little hints about what settings some of the dials should be on. Um, but it's not all of them and it gets harder and harder each time. And you still, every single time you have to like knock a bunch of notes off of the blackboard before you can read the correct notes, which just feels like busy work. Yeah. And there are some, some things where the setting doesn't change throughout any of, any of these, um, you know, puzzly bits and yet they're always in a different position when you start it's like can't you just like leave the ones that don't have to be changed in the same in the right spot but eh, whatever this this was just a big tedious one that i think could have been cut down significantly um yeah, I think the, the final oh sorry go ahead no go go for it i was gonna say that the final time you do it um 
there have been a bunch of flowers that have grown on the machine and the flower is like a recurring uh recurring image the flower is on uh golden boys like he's got like the flower in his lapel um it's on the one of the items that the ronin wanted to get back from the warlord um it is the same as the flower that you bring to miss bass um when you you know have your little tryst so the flower is you know a recurring element what it represents i couldn't fucking tell you uh this time yeah. the 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 scientists smokes the flower uh dude weed lameo and gets the brilliant idea that gives you spirals um I don't, yep. I don't, okay sure whatever. whatever a lot of great research has been done um also, the scientist you know. the scientist is based on a real person um like that you get her notebook in the end and it has the name of a real nasa scientist in it oh who is it um i i forget what the name is it's okay. i i want to say it's dr amy something um uh, but she i looked her up at the time and she was like responsible for like planning um like the first uh thing that was sent out to gather data on pluto so it's like not not a scientist who does particle physics. It's a NASA space scientist, but you know, whatever. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, then you you get the spiral, and there's another like dumb little mini game where you have to break the spiral apart, but then you rebuild the spiral, which was really fucking frustrating to do with uh with you know controller joystick input yes. oh my god the click and drag fucking reassemble stuff is a, like a nightmare with a controller it's yeah. really unpleasant. let me tell you let me tell you i i did the thing like oh you gotta break this spiral apart okay whatever great i get i'm like i have to almost be done with this episode when it came back up to now you have to put it back together i said out loud are you fucking kidding me you and just had me break because it. I was annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what is the purpose of this? I mean, the purpose of this is like he, you break the spiral into pieces, and then he smokes a cigarette and see, like, I don't know, sees a similarity between the shape of the cigarette and the line that makes up the spiral, and so you are constructing it out of bent cigarettes. I think. Um, that what's going. I think, I think so because the like the yellow portion that you construct the spiral out of looks like a cigarette filter. I only know this because I smoked for a lot of years. Um, no, and like that's fair. Things. That's fair, <laughs> and it is an image that they just showed you. So, like, yeah. I guess that makes sense. I don't understand why. Like, I don't. I don't see what the what the significance is of the cigarette. Also, you had a spiral. The... Why did you just fucking break it if you're yeah. just immediately going to reconstruct it? God damn it. Yeah, unless this has to be something with, like, this has to be his spiral. He can't use someone else's spiral. Um, I don't. Or it's I like, he has to fundamentally understand how to construct a spiral because that's an important part of, like, building the machine. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, honestly, look, Kyla, here's the thing. I'm really glad that you are as baffled by this, by all of this as I am, because a lot of times when, when I get frustrated with a story and with like, you know, how do I read this? My, my immediate reaction is, well, clearly I'm frustrated by this because I am not smart enough to understand it. <laughs> okay. But if you are also frustrated that I feel like 
I am validated in, okay, I am not too dumb for this. It's just pretty poorly constructed so i mean like i get i get that impression too like i always get the like well maybe i'm just not getting it but Mm -hmm. i've been doing a lot of stuff about interpreting theme lately and how important it is to communicate clearly when you're doing that and to some extent like yeah you know sometimes people just don't get it and it's sort of a failure on like they missed evidence or a failure on reading on their part but also it's your job as a creator of a piece of art to communicate clearly the thing you want to communicate right and like if there's a certain number of people who just don't get it that's a failure of your ability to communicate um yeah so Yeah. yeah anyway yeah uh yeah this this felt like this by the way this felt like the end of the game here like when you're doing the stuff with the scientists and you're coming back with the spirals this felt like great okay now we're ready to go into the end game right like now it's gonna be just like from here on we're we're basically done it's maybe another like 45 minutes and we're out it is not just another 45 minutes from here yeah it's I mean, it is, yeah, it is the start of the end game. The end it's game. just the end game is so fucking long. I mean, the end game is like a full, almost a full third of the game, basically. Um, I think based on how long I spent on it, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, okay, so this is, um, so Spreading now effect. we are at the point where, yeah, even though uh, the scientist I'm pretty sure was on Mars based on like text that you get in that segment, yeah. Now we are getting to the point where humanity is like spacefaring in a big way, like in a bigger way than we currently yeah, are. So we're in, yeah, um, we're in the future now. Yeah, we're in real future hours, boys. Um, so the first thing you're doing is you're like building a like solar energy harvester around the sun, which I know is something that's sort of like theorized as infinite energy. They present a like, oh, there's this scale of different types of civilizations and it's a three-tier thing uh and like stage one is using energy from your planet and stage two is using energy from directly from your sun and then stage three is like being able to harvest like it from the galaxy in general and like i i don't know if that's meant to be like a scientific thing or a sci-fi thing um it's also like framing civilization as like inherently about consumption uh, and yeah. like, sure, okay, I guess the measures of the civilization can be how it is able to consume and harvest energy. Like, that's also a very pessimistic view of of humanity, but sure. Yeah, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to remember what this is called, too, and I don't remember. Um, it's something with a K. I, I have the... Like the Kestier, the, or Kevier, uh, like, scale or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it with with um like a quick google but um this is one of those things that like strikes me as like a like what is what is the word speculative like speculative sci-fi thing sort of like how uh asimov created the the law of robotics and kardashev scale okay it was proposed by soviet astronomer nikolai kardashev in 1964. okay so it it basically is like a speculative thing yeah. Um, it, it reminds me of like how Asimov created the laws of robotics, and now for yeah. some reason, even though Asimov was like 
not a not a scientist but an author uh that's now like the basis for all not all but that's the basis for like a lot of robotics in modernity yeah. that seems a little odd to me but you know whatever um so yeah, yeah. you we start off with this um you know solar energy harvester um also very and hard then, to and, do correctly and then, with a joystick i still don't understand how like what the correct input sequence was to do that section it i just like i thought it was just a circle but like sometimes like as i was circling it that started to undo the thing i was trying to do so i did some weird combination of circling in one direction and then the other that i still don't understand why it made it work but okay yeah yeah i i think this one is just kind of a fiddle around until you figure it out type of deal who knows um and then from there oh here's the door sequence the, okay, the door the memory door sequence. sequence yeah yeah and that's door memory happens. You, yeah this is where you have your little tryst with which was also um, hard to figure out how to interact with because it's different than every other way you've interacted with these like uh fractal memory sequences because you actually have to like click forward into the door yeah, typically you just kind of scroll through these, um, but this one, yeah, it was stationary and you have to click through the door and you're sort of the last no man in a long line of no mans um, going through the door. Um, yeah, sorry. And the, then, then the next sequence, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. And then the next one is sort of... Um, is voyage. Oh, well, yeah. in the door sequence, there's also yeah. the bit where you know, it implies that Miss Mass is like, yes, she's like the black hole and he's caught in her orbit. Um, because, you know, she basically does just become a black hole, I think. Or there or maybe there's another black I don't remember. There's a black hole in this sequence somewhere. Um and then it and then it is Voyage, yes. Which yes. is you know also you very depressing. Yeah, you have to change the clock because everybody is like getting on ships fleeing the earth because I guess Dying. the Earth is the busto at this point. Yeah, and so. the 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 intro text sequence of this is about the idea of the doomsday clock, and like how close uh, yeah. like humanity is to its own destruction. Um, which like okay, um, and there's like a honestly like kind of ominous image because the the like puzzly type sequence in this is um, you have a clock that you're supposed to be like setting the times for to get to the different departure times. Uh, that are listed on the departure board. Um, and when you do the last one, it's uh, it's a clock, but like the times from nine to midnight, which they, they mention are the only times on the doomsday clock are like sort of graffiti, like spray painted, like spray painted over them to kind of erase the mark um, yeah. in a way that like feels like that's a really kind of eerie image. Like that image just like made me fundamentally uncomfortable on an existential level. <laughs> Um, it is worth noting that the Doomsday Clock, uh, as as it was conceived, was not uh, general destruction, but rather it was like, how close are we to um, dangerous nuclear pro proliferation that will cause you know the entire world to be destroyed due to um, nuclear warheads or, yeah. or nuclear um, accidents? I think I think um, like nuclear power plants having issues was also part of this conception. Now I think it's like partially that. that. It's another mm -hmm. it's another metaphor about like human violence and destruction and how humans are yeah. inherently 
like cr contain the seeds of their own ends. Uh, look at that crop up again. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm looking at it right now. Um, currently, the doomsday clock is set at 100 seconds to midnight. Um, and they, the, <laughs> in it, stupid it metaphor, the, the doomsday clock is a dumb metaphor. <laughs> I'm it, sorry. It absolutely is. I'm reading. I'm reading. This is a um an, an open open letter from the bulletin of the atomic scientists, who I guess is who created the doomsday clock but okay here here is the headline to leaders and citizens of the world regarding this is your covid wake-up call it is 100 seconds to midnight <laughs> like okay like yes there was a pretty bad disease um that has like that that has nothing to do with man-made um you know climate destruction or the only proliferation Literally, the only purpose of a clock like that is to incite panic. Like, there's the, it's not a useful measure of anything. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I, but, like, if you're only, like, a hundred like seconds right? from midnight, like, you don't have more gradations to get more urgent than you know like you're 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 getting it's it's basically a logarithmic scale it's it becomes like the richter scale because you can never actually get to midnight right because midnight is when we are literally destroyed so all you can do is just like infinitely like chop down the um you know the increments into smaller and smaller subdivisions and then like that ruins the sense of urgency because you're always close to midnight no matter what yeah, infinitely like, approaching is, midnight. How is, like, you know, a hundred seconds away from midnight, like, really feel that much more urgent than, like, five minutes from midnight, right? Like, they both, like, you lose a sense of scale at that point. Especially since, and I think they, they even explicitly say this in the game, the Doomsday Clock, as at its conception... Started at nine. It started at 9 p.m., yeah. Oh. Like, okay, well... It really, and I mean, I, I think this is kind of the consensus of a lot of like climate scientists, but we are kind of beyond the point of being able to do jack shit about it. Um, jack, like but, we are, you know. we, sh we can mitigate it, but we are past the point of being able to prevent it, right? Like we can yeah. maybe make it slightly less awful, but it's going to be bad no matter what at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the Doomsday Clock segment. And then you go into space, you see a bunch of, like, ships, and you can click on the ships and go through, like, the crew manifest, and that's and all here of the Kickstarter where, backers. Yeah, okay, here's where the Kickstarter backers show up. <laughs> yeah. Nothing takes you quite out of the mood, like somebody making a fucking Smash Mouth reference in your noir game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't see that one, but, um, yeah. Um, and then you... You, you you see a space probe. You click on the space probe, and it it has the um the Voyager record, yeah, the record that they put on Voyager, um, and you can listen to that. I listen to it a bit. Yeah, I listen to it for quite a bit, and you just yeah. hear like people saying like greetings in a bunch of different languages, and it's pretty yeah. nice. It's nice. That's like what one of the better, one of the better real world connections that they made in this game. It's uh, be probably because it's a hopeful one. It's not one that says, "Oh, we're all gonna die." It's a hopeful one saying, "Yeah, we are, you know, we're 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 out the we're bearing our greetings to the the universe." Yeah, that's that's great. And then the next episode is uh, Singularity, 
and this is where it really goes off the rails. Basically, you have to um, use the spirals to turn items into black holes in order to, basically, I think the idea is that you're creating enough black holes that they all collapse in on each other, which will we're gonna do the reverse big the Big Bang. Yeah, the Big yeah, Crunch, gonna... which is the thing they talk about at the beginning of this one. Yeah. I will say I'm so happy that the game used, like, spirals as, like, seeds. Because I said at some point in the game, I hope they bring back the, like, yeah. planting seeds. Yeah, back. It's spirals. basically the same mechanic as when you're planting seeds to, to like, create stuff in the universe. Um, except that, like, yeah, now you're planting black hole seeds via spirals to, like, sow the destruction of the universe. And it is kind of a cool bookend thing. Um, except, it, of course, it doesn't actually bookend because uh, humanity is tries to stop you, it, it turns out, through a very convoluted and strange moment. Yeah, I think this is, like, yeah, you, you try to use a spiral on Earth, and, like, the space opens up, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, was this supposed to just be, like, like, this being was just a pure representation of humanity, or was it supposed to be, like, some kind of god, or... Yeah, or like the force of life in the universe. It is It is a being composed, it is a human-shaped being composed of the four main characters that you met in your journeys through, the, through time. Specifically, the hunter, the ronin, the musician, and the scientist. Um, which, like, for the most part, like, I, I kind of felt some kindred to the musician and the scientist, because... The musician I had a lot of fun with, and the scientist you have to spend a lot of time with because that segment is so long. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really realize I was supposed to have connected with the hunter or the ronin at yeah, that point. Same. I think you like you barely even see the hunter. Um, yeah, like you see her in the cave. You see her when she um, kills the deer, and that's it. Yeah, I think I don't. <laughs> yeah, and also bigger, like yeah, because yeah, like there's a lot of hunters. What did she do? I guess she killed the deer. Um, also, but, maybe know. she's the woman who then became the person with the caduceus in the gather section? Question mark. Maybe. Um, I didn't. I didn't look at that. I didn't look at that like yeah. person um, closely enough to see yeah. that. But. Eh, eh. Um, but yeah, yeah, basically they like they they come up and they say, "Hey, fucking cut it out! Earth yeah. is important. We've spent all this time telling you that that humans are bad and they kill each other and destroy their planet. But hey, it's important, all right? Yeah, actually, Knock it off. We are we are better. Like we are the good thing about the universe. It turns out, um, and they merge together into like one sort of androgynous being. That's uh, what's the full name? It's something the Siren." Um, the siren, um, siren sapiens. Siren, yeah, the siren sapiens. I don't. What is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Um, uh, well, clearly they are sexy to you. Um, <laughs> like yeah. they are, they and are a like, new potential partner. So, it's yeah, really it's... weird to have one character like really strongly, um, basically a very strong metaphor where like they are just literally a human person in a fedora, right? Like it's it's very concrete. And then the other one is this super abstract representation of all of humanity as like this glowing 
uh, like many armed being of like indeterminate like non-gender and like those two don't feel like they make sense together but sure yeah there's that's also more, more that's how what made a career now Marvel and is it you just put a bunch of superheroes that don't mix together I mean I guess but it's like thematically yes. thematically it does not work um for this game because even like all of their other metaphorical characters have been like big jazz singer and you know like big um, sword you know, guy yeah it's oh, just i thought you were talking about the the ronin but yeah 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 we've got uh, the embodiment of time we've got the embodiment of matter and the embodiment of energy question mark yeah um, and they're all very very concrete representations of things but the the siren yeah. sapiens is just like i guess the hunter is like uh, represents like survival and sort of like the base elements of humanity. The Ronin represents question mark. Uh, the musician is like creativity, and the the scientist is like uh, like curiosity and like you know knowledge, the, like yeah. the pursuit of knowledge. Um, and like there are all these big concepts, but they're not you know like a person oh, from a dwarf story. <laughs> They're just okay. A maybe, weird maybe the Ronin represents justice. Maybe I don't know. I'm thinking in like the big broad terms of like survival, creativity, mm -hmm. intellect. Maybe the Ronin is supposed to be justice. I that's like the best I can come up with right now. Yeah, like civilization. I don't, know. I don't... civilization in some aspect. Um, yeah, I like, thought it was like maybe yeah. like religion because he thinks you're like some kind of demon come to but I don't know like his is like the weakest for me in terms of like representing humanity in in some fundamental way but whatever yeah yeah so um, the, they become a siren who is uh like at, at first you're like no fuck you I'm gonna do it I'm gonna destroy the world and then they throw you into a black hole yeah also, here's the thing. By the time that we are destroying the the planet, the planet has already been destroyed. Unless we're going back to the very beginning and destroying it, like, I, well, yeah, we, and we have already see, seen it run its course. And you can see the ships that everybody escaped on at that point. So humanity is no longer on Earth. Like literally in that area, yeah, the escape true. ships are there. So, so it's like, what's 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 the point of even saving it? Like, I don't know. This 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 was like really a big like. Oh great, humanity is important, and we gotta preserve it. Like, fuck off. Like, that's not the kind of like heartwarming, feel good message that this this whole thing has been leading up to. But whatever. Um. Yeah, you have to escape from a black hole using uh matches from the diner yeah first you're like wandering around the black hole and you keep lighting these little matches um to oh and this this segment is about hawking radiation is the introduction by the way so yeah you're you're like lighting the matches as you're wandering the black hole and the matches are dwindling you're getting you have fewer and fewer it's the the matchbook from the diner at the beginning the hopper which is cute um mm -hmm. and then you start finding things that also got sucked into the black hole uh, and they are like artifacts from humanity, which is like um, uh, the base like, is yeah. one, and the like the, like, the offering tray. tray 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, little little things that you have seen in in your previous sojourns into you know human human times. Yeah, and there's also a message. I don't think it's actually in this introduction. I think it's in the the introduction about um those like uh the you know three tiers of civilization or whatever um and the black hole where it talks about or maybe it is this one. I don't know. There's one coming up where they talk about somewhere around here where they talk about the idea that like in order to progress a sacrifice is needed. Um, so I guess you escape the black hole by sacrificing everything that connected you to humanity, which is also like muddying your, your metaphor a lot here by you just burn all the shit. You burn all the shit in order to escape. Yeah. Yeah. And it, um, it, it takes you back to a door again. I, I don't know if we talked about it, but there's a, there's sort of a short little bit at the beginning um, right before you you come upon the scene of Miss Mass being shot, where you have to like basically break the door down by like tapping on it and jiggling the handle and knocking the knocker, and you do the same thing this time except it's all on fire. Hang on, I'm I'm going I'm clicking to the next sec section section. Um, maybe the yeah, thing, so, maybe the things you're setting oh, sorry, fire to maybe what you're actually setting fire and destroying uh, is your memories. Make makes you think, don't it? Hmm, they're really done do really jogging my noggin. Um you you break out and your uh, arm burns off because of the fire. That's the sacrifice, um, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the sacrifice. Um and then <sighs> And then you have a confrontation with the siren, uh, and they're like, I know you're mad, but don't be mad. We're awesome. And you're like, Alright, I guess you're actually very sexy. Uh, and then you have a magical dance time. Uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's literally just you kind of zoop around the screen, spreading color into a game that was previously pretty much monochromatic. Wow, humanity is full of life and vibrance. Ignore all the stuff about violence and killing that we've been that we've been showing you the whole game. No, humanity is beautiful and vibrant and we gotta save it. I love this sequence. Like the the playing this sequence is really fun. <laughs> like just yeah. floating around and activating everything. Yeah. I just didn't expect like Genesis to to do a maze a ending. Yeah, like yeah. suddenly dancing. Yeah, kind of. it's it's like fun to control and it's fun to spread color everywhere. And like, there's kind of a musical background here that like keeps growing in complexity. Uh, and you then you like you find each of the four people within this space as you're dancing with the siren, and you kind of um, you go into this. So this is the first time you go into each one, and you like just see like what got to the, them to this point. Um, I guess I like I forget even because I get this confused with the later part with the doors. Um, so, yeah, I think this one you, you go in and there's little interactions. So you have to like adjust some sliders um, on the the scientist one, and it makes the shape of the flower. Or in the musician one, you have a, a short little Simon Says sequence, and in each one you're like dancing with them because that's I guess what we're doing now. Um, we can like, I, and... I, you know, I get the beauty of it, but it does feel a little bit weird when like noir detective is dancing with like the Ronin, for instance. It's like this really yeah. doesn't fit the metaphor or tone that you've set up thus far. Like, I kind of get how you got to this point, but this feels weird. 
Yeah. And you go through all of this and basically like you end up sat on a bench and now suddenly you are conflicted about destroying humanity and oh, but I got to save my girlfriend. And uh, Siren Sapiens like sits down next to you and says, gosh, what do we do? Like, huh? Isn't why are you suddenly concerned? Yeah, what investment do you have in this guy's relationship with this yeah. random jazz singer? Like, yeah, and then and then she's you like, go is the there nothing we can do to stop it? And it's like, uh, uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then you go through the doors, and each door is like a little a little vignette that you zoom through, showing like a scene from each of the four characters' like lives. I guess, and you have to do, you do that once, and then you have to do it three more times for every single character, and it's basically just a rehash of what we've already seen. Um, yeah, but like from a slightly different angle, basically, but yeah, not and, not giving you any kind of useful new information in any way. Yeah, it's it's basically just backstory, so you do that. Uh, this segment was entirely superfluous. Like, you yeah. did not need the Doors segment at all, that should have been. No, not at all. This is another point where I said, oh my fucking god seriously um out loud and then you so you do that and i think that amounts to like 16 times altogether um oh, oh. four times well, three. it's it's, it's 12 oh, yes. but then there's there's an initial sequence where you have to zip through to actually get to the the later three so yeah, yeah. um and, and each each one of these you have to go all the way through it forward and then all the way through it backwards like it's just so much fucking time for nothing for nothing um and then after you do that then then siren sapiens i think says like you don't have to save anyone what does that mean uh, what are you talking about um, yeah ah! and like, then yeah and then you so then you play very briefly as siren sapiens where you're like wandering through this memory of um of the the no man and you like you get to the point where he's watching his memory of like going into the door and having his tryst with Miss Mass, and then the game has the nerve to give you a choice about what you want to do. Like, there's plenty. There's a there's an explicit time earlier in the sequence with uh, Sapiens where it says you have a choice, and then does not give you a choice on how to proceed. And at this moment, they decide to just arbitrarily give you a choice which is do you want to never have met like never have gone on this tryst with her with the um with miss mass in which case presumably she lives uh i guess but therefore but the big the, bang never happens the universe is never yeah, yeah the universe is never created um or or yeah you can just like walk away at the door um, and that's what I did. Yeah, and sorry, and... That, yeah, that, that's that's version one. Or you can go have the tryst, in which case she dies, but the universe is created, and you get to stay with so, Sapiens, uh, and so or with with the oh, the is siren. That what happens? Yeah, that's the other one. So is I did both. I did both because okay. um, the I ch I also chose just walk away first, uh, and, and it was very unclear to me what the stakes were. The idea that like the universe is not created if I do this like sort of occurred to me but like it was not clearly established as like oh if i walk away then that means that she's gonna be saved and therefore the big bang never happens and like um 
you know, because it seemed like the the main gist of like the char- main character's arc was about letting go of Miss Mass and like not, you know, not being forever tied to this memory of this thing that happened with her and the guilt of what happened. So it seemed to me like walking away was the good ending for his character. Yeah. Right, Same like here. that should be the one where, like, he's ha- experienced personal growth and realized he did not have to go into that door. Yeah, uh, so that's the one I clicked on first. It turns out that's the bad ending. Oh, is it? Like, yeah, I, I get. I get that they sort of frame it as like, oh, there's there was so much possibility of what could have been, um, and even though I have literally lived through it and seen it, I am left wondering what could have been. Like, I was like, that's kind of stupid. I'm gonna delete this game. Um, so okay, so basically the um, the good ending then is that his his former girlfriend slash lover slash flame uh, dies, but he gets to get with his new slam piece humanity. Is that it? Yeah, and she stay and and uh, and they like the the humanity uh, person ends up sitting with them in the diner at the constant at the end of the game. Oh, and they get to be together in the constant. Which I guess means that, like, I don't know what that implies. Does that imply that the big crunch happened, but, like, humanity got to exist, so therefore, great, we get to, like, be together, time and humanity at the end? Like, it doesn't feel like this should be the good ending, but it definitely, like, the, the, like, color comes a little bit to the constant. And like things become like our, you know, the the color. So in um, if you if you throw the flower away and just leave, the little circle of color gets smaller and smaller until it disappears. If you choose to go with um, with like the way things happened and repeat this loop of bad decision, the color expands and expands until like you know there's happy music and everything feels like good and cool. So, like, hooray, you let your girlfriend die, uh, or, like, your old flame die. What a good ending. Like, I don't under Like, yeah, I'm not pleased with the, the end of this, and it's because the metaphor doesn't fucking work. Um, yeah. You establish... Yeah. And I didn't I didn't mention this before, but like one of the earlier times where you're interacting with Siren Sapiens is like it they refer to you as old friend. Excuse me? How? When? Why? You've Why met are you my various, old friend? Because you've met Ugh. these various people throughout history, but you don't realize until, or at least I did not realize until the scientist, that the implication was that these people actually see the time traveler in some way, and they yeah. have lasting impressions of you. Because I thought it was all metaphorical up until that point. But apparently it's that there part are, is not a metaphor. <laughs> there are a couple of really small hints. So in Gather, in the background, you see statues of presumably deities. And one of them is No Man. One of them is Miss Mass. One of the statues is Golden Boy. Um, in Thaw, there is, like, when you get to the, the upended tea cart, there is a little, like, the uh, the woodcut that shows like a demon and the demon is a you know sort of stylized representation of no man um no i man, remember the other the ones demon but... was just a demon and the demon gets like the you know the the ronin conflates you with the demon later um but yeah it could be oh, either maybe. way yeah i don't know but i mean I, I get it but also here's the thing 
uh, no man, I think, could be considered an old friend to the creation of humanity, because humanity, I guess, has known no man for the entire time that it has existed, but humanity as a construct has taken up a very small space of time that no man presumably has existed. It's, yeah, it's literally, like, it's, it's... humanity is literally his new girlfriend that he just met, that he's willing yeah. to let someone else die over. Yeah. It's, and uh, I mean, somebody, yeah. I guess somebody's gonna die either way because, like, um, you know, uh, the siren will stop existing if he, like, undoes this. But, like, so, okay, you're choosing which, which love interest you will let die. Like, that's not, uh, that's not an ending that I'm, that I enjoy, <laughs> that I'm happy, a choice I'm happy to make. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And that's. It's it's very problematically common for the noir genre, right? Like the noir genre is about, you know, the distressed dame who comes in begging for your help and often like, you know, she or some other woman is going to end up dead over the course of this story. Like, okay, cool. So, wait. Is that a noir trope? I mean, maybe as you say it's like part of a lot of media that's not it's... actually about that isn't actually noir. It just uses noir tropes, but it is definitely because, like, the biggest noir, like, female trope I consider is, like, the young female coming in to, like, change the old man. So, I mean, my my impressions of women are, like, you get, of, of the noir woman is that it's a, it's a woman who comes in and appears to be in distress, um, and she's very sexy, and actually it turns out later she was kind of a villain and she double-crosses you. Um... And I don't know if that is actually a real noir trope or if that's just something that's been layered onto things that use noir trappings over time. But that is that is my primary association with women in that genre. Yeah, like there's there's always a femme fatale, but then there's always like an actually uh, pure woman who didn't do anything bad and was just a victim. And that's that always ends up being like the actual love interest, um, at least in terms of you know the the way the tropes are codified um but yeah i guess it's also hard because like nor has been around for like 100 <laughs> yeah. years soon yeah basically it's it's, it's got a lot to, of baggage <laughs> yeah it's got a lot of baggage a lot of baggage and like several attempts at reviving the genre um so yeah there's there's a lot going on there um like also if you view this through that lens like it it kind of sucks because it, it feels like it's villainizing Miss Mass, right? Like, I guess she deserves to die so the universe can exist because that's the good ending. And she deserves to die because she cheated on her boyfriend, I guess? Which yeah, is like... <sighs> yeah. I mean, I I read it more as like a time, time traveler story of like, well, you learn to live with what happened instead of trying to obsess about changing the past. I mean, if that had been how it how it turned out, that would have been a much more satisfying ending than what we actually got, right? Um... It, yeah, it doesn't feel like he learned a lesson about not obsessing with the past, right? Because he, like, the choice is between, like, not obsessing over your memories of Miss Mass and continuing the cycle of obsessing over your memories of Miss Mass. So it, it like it feels like the good ending of quote unquote not obsessing over the past is the it like is I don't know it it feels like that there's some crossed wires there where the the good yeah. ending is the bad ending and vice versa 
Um, yeah. It doesn't because feel like character he... growth for him to continue to relive the old memory. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the way that you get past it is by letting it happen again. And I, you know, when I was at that crossroads, I assumed that, you know, well, that just means that we're going to keep, you know, we're going to basically renew that that trauma there. Yeah, we're um, stuck in a vicious looping cycle forever, apparently. Yeah. And the other one is, you know, we're going to choose to not just to not engage with this situation. Um, and yeah, that's that's the bad one, I guess, because you don't have your new your new shiny girlfriend. Or what is what's what's is there a gender neutral term for like girlfriend boyfriend? Uh, partner, I guess. Sure, I guess. Partner, yeah. I mean, sure, partner you're has them friend. a little. Yeah, you're they friend. They 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 friend or them friend. Yeah, partner has always felt like a really stilted one for me. Um, or like same with like significant other. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I of course am defaulting to girlfriend just because. Yeah. Uh, we we already have seen him to have a preference, I guess, for women with well, so, female also, presenting with Miss Mass, but. Because everything is so concrete in the noir story, if they were a person in the noir story, you would expect them to be the innocent woman in the story, right? Like, that's the, the noir, like, trope slot that they are fitting in, um, even though, like, they did not bother to put them into the metaphor, they just left them abstract. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> We this has been a long episode. I'm I'm just looking at the time now and Yeah, no, fine. I knew it was going to be. I, uh, so I, I was expecting a long one, but uh it's it's one of those things it's like I don't know how much more I could say. Like certainly this game does have really great aspects. Great great um, music, great visuals, like really like stylish as hell. Like style up mm -hmm. the wazoo. Um coming out the ears it's like um you know and a lot of the individual set pieces are conceptually very cool um mm -hmm. but just as a as an overall thing it does not hang together thematically and the joy con controls fucking ruin the experience on the switch yeah which sucks because like specifically the reason i got it to play on console is because I wanted to play it on my nice big TV with our, our pretty nice big pretty big sound system so that I could like have experience the good experience of like good visuals on a good TV and good music on the speakers that like the actual speakers that we have out in the living room and boy did I shoot myself in the foot with that decision yeah um, and I would have you know, like I said I would have done it on the computer if I could but apparently, like, yeah. even though I met Spec, it was unplayable for me on PC. So, yeah. like, it was a lose-lose for me on that one. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It really, really is. Um, yeah, and clearly this is not, you know, this is not a universal opinion because Carl feels differently. <laughs> yeah, but... <sighs> Carl, do you want to register the, uh, the minority opinion uh, brief? Okay. <laughs> Um, like, I, I don't think it's a perfect game, but I think it's a game, like, that sells its arts and visuals, and I think, like, it's fine to do that. Yeah. And in, I think of it in the same, the same way as, like, a game like Gris, 
where like it's not like super amazing like i wouldn't say it's super amazing narratively or game design wise but it just looks really solid yeah and it does mostly have a single tone that it keeps to throughout the whole thing um and Mm -hmm. also like I want to encourage games to be more avant-garde and weird. Like, I like that about this game. Um, I wish it had been nominated for the Nuovo Award and not the Narrative Award at IGF, is basically where I come down on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because story, story is not the strong suit of this game. Yeah. This whole time I had been thinking that it was that it was an actual nominee for Nuovo and not an honorable mention. Um and I am floored that it is not an, an actual nominee for that, and it is a nominee for narrative, because that just seems like such a bad shout on 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 in both situations. Yeah. Um, but, but isn't like Nova Awards also kind of there to like be like, yeah, we want to encourage these like small games, but we can't really put them in as a yeah. Nova is the like this is some real weird shit category and it's possible that they were they were already full of other weirder shit um which like yeah but they also don't tend to put like games that do really well yeah it's true they do they do try and highlight games that aren't nominated for a lot of other stuff which you know i respect and like things that were nominated for the nuovo award this year include like blazeball uh, and Umurangi Generation, and a game called, in all caps, That Night Steeped by Blood River. <laughs> Which, I have no idea what that is, but it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at the Kickstarter page now, because I just wanted to get a sense of it, and I mean, they got, they raised uh, a little under 50 grand. Yeah, and I mean, like, to make this. I, think yeah. It's a, I think it's a great game, and it's very well polished for an indie game, you know, control issues notwithstanding. Like, there's a lot of really good polish in this game for an indie game of its size. Um, It's just, I, yeah, I wish it, I wish it held up better, like, the, as a, as a story, as a metaphor that ties any kind of theme together. Um, And it, it bothers me that there's so much that's so good about it, and yet I felt so frustrated playing it, you know? Like, that's a shame. The problem with narrative sort of, the narrative and the metaphor sort of hold together more, in in cutting out a lot of fat in terms of um redundant and to cut star ideas and yeah sure your ideas are probably good but maybe if they don't fit they don't fit because sometimes you get games like this because you have a lot of designers and artists and nobody actually doing the writing you know i think that's what it is um i okay feral cat then is a collective of artists animators designers and developers so, so maybe they just don't have a like writer. It. Maybe they just don't have a writer whose fucking job it is to think about these things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like it's hard to say from that description. Yeah, yeah it's like it, I mean, sometimes yeah, sometimes writers are lumped in with either artists or developers. So who knows? Yeah, but um, that is like that could be i i would not be surprised if i was told that they did not have someone whose dedicated job was writing or narrative design on this game because it does also feel like the sort of yeah. game where you're like oh we don't need a writer there's no dialogue in it where it's like wow that is not the job of a writer <laughs> like i mean it's not the only job of a writer on 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 a game um, uh, okay so i'm looking at 
I'm looking at the press kit for the game. Um, credits. We've got the creative lead, the tech lead, sound design, and publishing. That doesn't sound right. There's got to be more. Um, uh, I mean, creative maybe, lead oh, is, okay. is, I guess, the person who's supposed to do the writing in that scenario. Um, but it's if you don't have a separate yeah. artist, then that is also the person who's supposed to be doing the art, which is a lot to tackle both on a game like this. But I mean, they have a like, yeah. decent list of like people in the credits, I remember. Yeah, I feel like the credit roll yeah. was pretty long. So, and granted, most of that was, was Kickstarter backers, but backers, but still. Yeah, and that's that's what I was looking for when I came to this press kit was like the actual, you know, who made this dang game. Yeah. Um, and I can't. I mean, there's a there's a can't quite find it. There's a YouTube video of just the credits that I could open, uh, and watch on mute and see if I can <laughs> watch the credit roll. Yeah, creative lead Evan Anthony. Um, Technical leads, Jeremy Abel. And then it's going to be music and sound. Uh, yep, Tom Carroll, Vincent Oliver. And then it goes to the, the run credits. So let's see what the... Oh, yeah, no, the first two things listed are writing. Evan Anthony and Evan Stark. So two Evans <laughs> wrote this. Uh, yeah. Evan Anthony also did the illustration. He's the... the that's the creative lead guy. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there was the creative lead, and one other person did writing. So it's not that problem. I feel like there was someone whose dedicated job this was. And like, I mean, it's not really up to us to decide either. And it obviously like it's nominated for best narrative. Yeah, but like, I I feel like that was a wrong decision. Um. <laughs> yeah, and like we can like. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, yeah, obviously, like, you know, there, this is, as we, as I said, this is not a universal opinion. This is our opinion. Uh, I just happen to disagree with that particular uh, judgment call. But like, you know, clearly there are some people who liked it enough. It's interesting to me looking at the narrative awards actually this year. Um, I feel like they are pretty divided between a lot of these actually don't have interesting stories. They're just stories that are told in interesting ways. Um, which I I kind of feel like you're muddying. I mean, like, I don't know. Um, I feel like that's what the design category is for. Like, if you if that's your your what your um uh your criteria are, then Signs of the Sojourner should absolutely be nominated in that category, and it's not. Um, so I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, I, with every single awards show, like not just for games, but like awards ever, like part of the fun of an awards season is arguing about like who, who was snubbed and who should have been nommed and things like that. So, you know, that's just kind of what we're doing here. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, even, even before you get to Wintermore Tactics Club, I feel like there were other games that were more deserving of that nomination than. Genesis Noir, from from my opinion, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. This this has been uh, a. Yeah, but as we as we've a, seen repeatedly, yeah, as we've seen repeatedly on this podcast, we are a lot harder on games that we really liked, except for like a few glaring flaws. Games that we want to be better. Mm -hmm. That and we tend to be much harder on those games, and so you know. There's so much potential and so much good stuff in this game, and that's why it upsets us. 
I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is uh, uh, like a lot of other games that, you know, have the same issue, but I think bigger in, in all directions. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more of like good stuff, but the, the, the flaws are very glaring. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, and again, Kelso and I played this on Switch, so our experience is a lot different than Carl's because it's all colored through the lens of we were having a frustrating time interacting with it. So that mm -hmm. goes to show you the importance of having like smooth, good, intuitive control schemes for your game. Like that is also, a big thing. Also goes to show the importance of playing games on Switch if they're on PC. Well, I'm not, playing, I'm not playing the Yakuza games on PC. Those aren't on the Switch, but those are. I have been playing all those on console. I was going to say, depends on the direction of port. It goes to show the importance of playing things on the hardware schema that it was designed for, right? And whether that's... Or at, at the very least, doing your research and seeing how good the port is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been watching a I've been watching a playthrough on YouTube recently of someone playing Twewi, uh, and Twewi oh, has uh, yeah. been ported for and remade for the Switch, and that is very much a DS game. It is a game that was absolutely designed for two screens, and so even though mm -hmm. apparently they did do um, they did implement touch controls for if you are not playing it docked, which good for them. Touch controls are like half the battle for that. But there's still some yeah. shit that they're missing with not having that second screen where it's like it's never going to be the game that it was on the original hardware, right? Because the original yeah. hardware just had affordances that the that you know, no modern hardware can imitate. And that sucks because like that means that experience is just lost when the hardware disappears and it's too bad. Yeah. It sucks and I I have my DS copy of that game somewhere i need yeah. to find it um, and i i have been wanting to play it um I, like i've been meaning to get the switch version but i have also been thinking you know i should just find my my ds copy and play it on my 3ds yeah so apparently because... it's okay it's okay if you're undocked if you're docked though and you're trying to play with the joy cons oh. you're trying to oh. do touch controls with joy cons uh -oh. and it's apparently like real unpleasant yeah that sounds like my worst nightmare uh, because I remember, like, I have visceral memories of playing that game, like, you know, in study hall in high school, and just, like, I can I can feel, like, the claw grip I had on the little stylus, like, furiously tapping around the screen and dragging shit around. Yeah, I, mm, that would, that would not fly with a joystick at all. So you don't it doesn't actually use yeah. joystick. Thank God it doesn't use joystick. Oh, it does it use it does okay. use the gyro for pointing. Um oh, but the okay. but the better, pointing but, is yeah. the pointing is not as accurate as it was with like the Wii yeah. because it doesn't have the sensor bar. So you get un mm -hmm. like inaccurate, slightly like dropped input laggy pointing. So it's yeah, better than a joystick, not but great. not by but not by a ton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, do we have any other big thoughts about the game? Sure. Okay. Yeah, Carl is ready to get out of here. Honestly, so am I. Uh, <laughs> why do you lose an arm? 
He lost an arm because of everything he burned up in the in the black hole. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. And there yeah. was yeah, the segment before that was saying like um once I think it was like when the sun goes out, basically what we have to do is we have to fire a rocket at a at a black hole. We have to let it sort of um get like slingshotted by the black hole's gravity. And in order to escape the gravity, we would have to jettison part of the rocket and then have a secondary ignition. And that uses the inertia from the gravity of the black hole to zoop off in, you know, a random direction tangent to the pull of the black hole. And that that generates a fuck mass, ton of energy. Or that inertia basically yeah, that that energy basically will um sort of sustain humanity in the event that the sun goes out but it requires a sacrifice of you know whatever part of the 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 rocket we jettisoned into the black hole so i guess the missing arm was the representation of that sacrifice of whatever yeah in order to in order to move forward in his world he must uh leave a, a part of himself behind i.e like his feelings for miss mass uh, but also physically an arm. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going with. Okay. That makes sense. No more questions. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, you can find... Next oh, yeah, I forgot. I was going to go straight into plugs. God, what am I doing? Tyla. Yeah, next game. <laughs> so we're actually playing... Um, uh, we are playing the uh, next... Uh, next, we're playing another game by the same publisher, um, which is to say, uh, fellow traveler? Question mark. Fellow traveler. Yes. Yeah. Um, and always, I I can bring up the information that I'm going to use, talk about the game, and then I, over the course of our conversation, I close it for some reason, <laughs> or I use it to Google something else. Right. Uh, so it's by Kaizen GameWorks. Uh, it is called Paradise Killer. Uh, it is also a noir mystery. We're we're doing a triple whammy uh, hat trick noir mystery series. We did, uh, even though like none of these have actually been <laughs> quite noir mysteries so far. We did uh, we did see you yeah. later, alligator. We we did Genesis noir, and now we're gonna do Paradise Killer, which is supposedly like a mystery platformer. Um, and a friend of mine whose opinion I trust really, really likes this game. Um, so I'm excited to try it. Um, it's some kind of also like really weird abstract, uh, mystery in a, in a space that like doesn't quite, is, is like very surreal and doesn't quite make sense. Um, it was also, uh, Sean Bloom played it on Play by Play. So if you've seen it there and would still like to come talk about it because you you know have experienced it that way that's fine too um and yeah i'm super curious this is a bit of a longer one uh it's like in the 12 to 15 hour range so we are going to start with three weeks to play this instead of two and we may take more if we decide we need more based on what we have time to play yeah this basically might become like our summer break game mostly we'll see. seems like an appropriate game for a summer break but yeah, that's where we're at. So Paradise Killer, come come play it or watch Sean Bloom's playthrough on play by play. Um and then, you know, come chat with it with us about it. Yeah. Um you can 
get a hold of us if you are interested in chatting about the game with us um, on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at FeedbackForce, and uh, you can send us a DM or just, you know, tweet at us there, or the link to our Discord is there. You can come join the Discord and hit us up there as well. So please do come come hang out. Even if you don't want to be on the episode, you can just kind of come chill. Um, we're we're talking about the World Bat Cup. Um, yes. Sorry, Bat World Cup. I got that one mixed up, which is yep. going on right now. On Twitter. One of our, our newer favorite Twitter accounts. <laughs> yeah, go vote for your favorite bats. Um, uh, at at is... give bats a break on Twitter. Um, but mm-hmm. Kelso, if they want to reach you individually. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter um, watching the Bat World Cup at give bats a break. Um, but I am on Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb. Um, just kind of hanging out. Uh, and I am on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. And my game Wintermore Tactics Club is on Twitter at Wintermore TC. Uh, or you can also buy it uh, for the major consoles and for Steam. And, and GOG and some other places on PC. Yeah. And you can follow my Twitter at Skug3. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And it'll be at least three weeks before the next one. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with uh, just the energy today. And we will see you next time. Good one. Bye. Bye.